A hedge knight is the truest kind of knight, Dunk, the old man had told him a long, long time ago. Other knights serve the lords who keep them, or from whom they hold their lands, but we serve where we will, for men whose causes that we believe in. Every knight swears to protect the weak and innocent, but we keep the vow best, I think. Hello, welcome to Drunk, A Song of Ice and Fire History, uh, special edition Drunk and Egg, The Hedge Knight. I am Chloe, your host. I am joined today by Eliana, uh, one of my really good friends. Eliana, say hi and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Eliana. I am on the Song of Ice and Fire subreddit, um, so you can find me there. I'm also on Twitter under the handle Arhythmetric. That's A-R-H-Y-T-H-M-E-T-R-I-C. Good luck. Um, <laughs> and also on the Maester Monthly podcast, where we talk about cool things that people are doing on the subreddit because people are doing cool things and people should take note of that. There have been some really cool episodes, some really good theories that have popped up. I, I try to listen. It's like one of my work favorite things to do is to pop that baby on while I'm doing some data entry or whatever. It's a good podcast. I will have all of those links below for those of you that did not catch the spelling or grasp any of that. So, um, I guess Eliana and I are here today to sit around and get drunk and talk about Dunkin' Egg the Hedge Knight. Ooh. <laughs> right? I'm like, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it is kind of a fun, relaxing. It's a Sunday afternoon. I'm sitting here. I'm currently drinking a cranberry and vodka, which is totally like out of my wheelhouse. I don't drink vodka normally. Eliana and I were just commenting on that. Eliana, what are you drinking? Um, I'm drinking this founder's porter that I'm going to, after I'm done with it, chase with this very large Jim Beam bourbon that I've poured myself. So that's what I'm doing. I love it. You're making, you're doing the good choice. Yeah, we're doing this. Um, I might've woken up with a small hangover, but you know, hair of the dog, I guess. Scale of the dragon. uh, Scale of the dragon. Yeah, ward that off with a little bit of a a Jim Beam and porter. Keep it going. Do you feel that the cranberry uh, is like, your cranberry vodka, maybe it's like supposed to be red, House Targaryen. Yeah, I think the symbolism uh, behind my cranberry and vodka, if we really want to explore, comes from with vodka being something that they would take from the fields for potatoes. Mm. Uh, I think the grains and the potatoes in the alcohol, I think that really symbolizes the small folk in the mm. story, symbolizes Dunk being a true knight and protecting the small folk. With the alcohol. With alcohol, yes. Yes. Glad you got me there. I mean, I didn't ask if your drink symbolized Darren the Dreamer just freaking getting bombed in a pub. I mean, I'm drinking this porter, so you have the red of House Targaryen, and I have the black. Oh, oh, oh. We did it. Yes. Does that mean, if I'm the red dragon, does that make you the black dragon, then? Does that... Am I the Blackfire is here? I mean, I guess. Yeah, that's what I'm asking. I guess you're Blackfire. I'm not. I'm. Hmm. I ain't no usurper. Well, I'm the usurper. You're. And by rightful heirs, I mean. I mean, you're the rightful heir. White man that came over with nukes. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, flying winged nukes. R.I.P. the (sighs) nukes, right? But now they're back. After never. The Hedge Knight. We open up and like. What's really cool is that these are these prequel books don't directly tie in technically 
as you and I know, yes, there are so many things thematically that these books tie into uh, in current modern A Song of Ice and Fire, but they don't directly tie in. This is a story that's totally separate, totally just almost 100 years from where we are now about, well, yeah, it's 209 AC, and so we're at 299, 300 AC in the last couple books. So, I mean, this opens up 100 years before, and it's all these people that we don't know. It's just so cool that it's people that we don't know, but at the same time, even though it doesn't tie directly so far as we know yet into the main story, yes. I don't know. Yet. It, it's just as engrossing. And like some people say that they like these prequel novels more than they like the main series. I could see that because it's kind of simpler. In yeah. a way, it's it's a very, which, well, it's not, though. That's what's so crazy is if you're reading these books and you've read the main series, you know what happened. You know that the end of Duncan the Tall, big splash across the screen, spoiler alert, Duncan he the did. Tall. He did. He died. He dies. Like his, it's like it's like going, about a year ago, I went and saw Hamilton, okay, the musical. And it's like going into that knowing at the end, historically, they died. Yeah. These people are dead. Dunk died saving Eggs and his family and his people that were in this castle. I you thought know, like wasn't confirmed. I thought, I mean, we know he's dead, but we don't know that he died in I mean, Summerfall, right? Like, yeah, no, he he was saving people and died from it is what we kind of know, I thought. Like, I'm pretty sure that's technically confirm me on this. Let's all search. <laughs> A wiki of ice and fire we go. Oh, yeah, it does say that yeah, no, you're right. It says that Oh, that was good. Say it again. I love that word. Which one? That, you're right. Can you say that one more time? Uh, you're so... right. You're right. In <sighs> he says, in 9 AC, Duncan perished along with King Aegon V and Prince, hmm. Duncan, Prince, Dun oh, Prince Duncan, among others, in the tragedy of Summerhall. I'm real sad. I'm real. <laughs> these yeah. are real emo hours now. I shouldn't have made you look that up. Yeah. That's what sucks reading these, man. It sucks reading these because you know, in the end, I mean, you know, that's what happens. He's gone. He died being the truest of knights, you know? And, uh, man. It doesn't, in, in some ways, it, like, adds to the story. I mean, it would be awesome. Like, I know George R. R. Martin eventually intends to do, I guess, enough of these that it covers Dunk's life. Yeah, I think he's going Somehow. to have it leading up to I'm guessing. Yeah. At least, I, don't, I wonder if the last Duncan Egg book will be you know, the end will be Summer Hall, will be that tragedy. If we'll see, oh God, I can't read I think that. So. I'd rather die. I'd rather die than read that. That's gonna hurt. Yeah. I think that's what it is. That's what they're going for. And that'll eventually give us the reveal of what truly happened of yeah. Egg trying to, you know, hatch eggs and... <sighs> Ow. Not to, like, bum out the mood. Like, we were just talking about how simple and great this story is. We're so, sad anyways... drugs. <laughs> I am. I am very sad mood. I can't help it though. Like it's sad because you start off and the story is all about chivalry. And I mean, if you love characters, which like my some of my very favorite characters from the main series are Brienne, Sandor, like these yeah. people that aren't true knights that grapple with the internal like conflict of you know being a knight and being a true knight, but also not being what a knight has become. And Dunk embodies the hardworking like for the people true knight. 
and as you watch that unfold, it's very keeping in mind how he ends and keeping in mind his adventures and meeting this young boy and like all this and his change of his life. I mean, this changed his life. Would he have even gotten the opportunity to do all this had he not like met? Like, he would have probably really just been a hedge knight. He would have been. And I know uh, we are re-recording this because we had technical difficulties last time. And there was a big discussion between a few people about, you know, is Dunk sinful because of the surrounding environment that he was in? And until he comes to court, which he does grasp and learn quickly, but until he gets to be around uh, royals and people of higher stature, I mean, it was him and Sir Arlen since he was little. And he learns what he gets the chance to learn from his environment. But, I mean, had he not met Egg on the road... He wouldn't be the person he was in the end. He wouldn't have the opportunity to be that hero, and he wouldn't really have gotten to learn many of the things he did. I wonder if his like if he would have been happier though. Would yeah, the rest I wonder of us that have too. Been, we would have gotten Baylor Breakspear. <laughs> There's a question to think about. What if? So we open on Dunk digging Arlen's grave, and he's reflecting on how he had just been knighted on Arlen's deathbed, and considering what to do after burying him. So. We talked about this post on Easter Monthly, but a user on the subreddit, a Kimball one, like broke down the first the first page of the Hedge Knight and like how there's so much information packed into it and in the way that George R. R. Martin sets it up. The first paragraph is about like Dunk digging a grave. So all of a sudden we start after there's already been a death, so that piques the audience's interest and like sort of reveals the person's relationship to him person dunk is and like what they've been through um i'm not gonna go over uh this person's entire post i'm gonna make chloe link it hashtag great post the cool part uh, about those first two pages of the hedge knight is it is so much just characterization and Mm -hmm. like you really like you learn within those three pages you know exactly the person dunk is the person dunk is in those three pages is who dunk is throughout these three novellas it's who he is when he is running into the flaming building in summer hall like taking out that's who dunk is all throughout this journey he is that person and these pages tell you that yeah i mean like even in the first few pages you can see him wrestling with some of the morality of like what he's doing here like not not necessarily like that he killed he didn't kill sir arlen that's not what i'm saying i'm saying like he's wrestling with the morality (laughs) of like he's justifying like i need to take your sword dude um i need to make a living and I would leave it, but you're not going to use it. Yeah, and he's also thinking, like, the other way, and that's a really interesting point when you think about, he's not, like, obviously, he's not a bad person, and something, some I've been rereading the Harry Potter series starting this week, mm. and somebody was talking to me, and there's this theory about, it's a shock value, you know, like, shitty shock value theory about Hagrid is a bad. He's a, He could secretly be a Death Eater because everything he did foiled the trio throughout the books and i'm like no that's stupid because you're literally introduced to this character in the very first chapter of this book just like with dunk that is inherently good like you see they are a good person they try to do the right thing whatever is morally right they don't cheat you know like he when he gets to the village when he gets to the village uh for the tourney like he's trying to find a person to make him armor and he says to the guy i can do this and give you this money and i can give you the rest tomorrow 
And then in his head, he's like, okay, and as long as I win, I can pay it off completely or I'll just be SOL. Like, and he's not trying to yeah. cheat this guy out of his money. He's trying to figure out, you know, there are characters that we see point of views of that would figure out how to steal the armor. There are characters that would figure out how to trick the guy to get the armor. And Dunk is thinking, how do I buy this armor with the money? You know, like, how do I figure out how to pay this guy for what he's worth for this armor? He's yeah. not trying to cheat not trying to you know like make it the easy quick way dunk it wants to work hard for like labor for the glory like he he's not in it for the glory he's in it to be a knight he's like the one person you get that's like at school that wants to be like a lawyer that doesn't want it for the money i actually kind of wonder about that because i feel like at the beginning is he in it to be a knight it seems like he's in it i mean he's in it to be a knight but he's like in it I think because he's, he's got to make a living. Yeah, he's got to survive. He's just, well, what do I do? The one person in the world that I could rely on, the only person that I actually know and have any connection with is gone. Oh my god. And, you know, to his credit, he is not freaking out. He's just like, well, this, this is what I have sucks. to do. He just lost, like you said, the only connection in the world he has. He has been in, he was an orphan, like picked up by Sir Arlen. Sir Arlen took him under his little wing and taught him, you know, everything he knows. Every single thing Dunk thinks throughout the story, he's thinking, well, Sir Arlen would have done this, or the old man would have done it this way, or I should do it this way because that's how it would have been best if Sir Arlen was here. That is who he knows to embody. That's that lifestyle, that hardworking, like, work so you have food on the table and work so you can get to your next place to figure out where to get food on the table from. That's what he knows. That's his lifestyle. He hasn't known living in uh, in court and getting, you know, feasts and getting food in the high, like, great hall and, you know, like, all this stuff. He hasn't known that lifestyle. He's just known work hard, you'll find work, do it well, and you'll have more opportunities. So I would say in the beginning it is more he's surviving. It's a survivalism. But as he grows, I mean, I wouldn't say he's trying to be a knight at first. It's more he's embodying what a real knight is in general, being fair. I mean, it's not that he's trying to be a true knight. It's that he's trying to do what true knights do, whether or not you give it the title, you know, his standing up for small folk or for Tansel that we'll get into later. I mean, that is kind of, he does it out of, not out of obligation. He does it out of that's his personality. That's who he is. Which I kind of wonder now, so much of what he knows about knighthood is you know, obviously through Sir Arlen. Sir Arlen must have been, like, at least a decent person. He just takes this random orphan under his wing. How much of Dunk is because of Sir Arlen? And I'd be interested, like, if we learn more about, more about what Sir Arlen, Arlen and, like, what he was like. Um, and I don't know if we'll get that per se. I don't remember how much ruminate on Sir Arlen in the later stories. Um, we do get a bit of exposition drop of, well, Sir Arlen always said, you know, like a knight needs to be cleanly or Sir Arlen always said yeah. this, or you get the basics of this is what Sir Arlen said being a knight or being a hedge knight in general is about. This is what I should be. So it seems up at a certain time every day. He kind of, to me, like I envisioned this old dude who was woken up the same time every day and taken his bath or shower every morning and gotten up and done his routine, you know, like cleaned his armor done this done that like checked on the yeah. horses checked this. you know i mean it, he's a very routinely man who expected things to be done a certain way and dunk's lifestyle was simple it was a simple lifestyle because of his surroundings and they never 
I mean, you see the couple times they talk about serving at bigger castles. Uh, it's not often, though. I mean, it didn't happen often. It just happened a couple times. Life for them was pretty simple. Yeah. Simple, perform tasks for people, get paid for them. So we have only, I don't know, a few stories about Sir Arlen's life. Like, he served with this dude that we'll talk about probably later on. Um, whom he served under one of the wars. Because uh, mm -hmm. they talk about that. And how he broke lances with Baylor Breakspear, but I wonder how Sir Arlen would have acted if he were put in the same position as Dunk when it comes to Tanzel. And that's where I would say, personally, I don't think he would have done the same thing. Really? I think Sir Arlen would have told Dunk, we gotta keep our head down, because, yeah. you know, he's in an austere place. And that's where the idea of, like, Dunk being more simple of his life comes into me because I mean most people would say oh you don't want to f with that dragon dude like just put your head down and walk away and he stood up he did what was right which is it out of being a good person is it out of how much he liked her we don't know you know we don't really know a hundred percent I would say it's a good combo of both I think Sir Arlen would have been standing there and said come on son like keep your head down where this is not for us this is for the high lords to figure out yeah yeah he probably Probably would have done that. The inherent, you know, need to do what's right. The true knight thing really comes in and shines for Dunk. And I mean, he is inherently good, you know, while burying Sir Arlen. He thinks, you know, you deserve more. I'm sorry. Like, I want to give you a better place to be. But at least, you know, at least you're where you can see the sunset. You would have loved the sunset. He's a good boy. Dunk's a good boy. He's a good boy. <laughs> I can't even think about this stupid story. I hate it. I, I hate it so much. Such but a I good also boy. love it. And it is. It's so simple. It's so pure. Like, it's a pure story. Like, so he's off to Ashford. Off to Ashford to see the fair maid. Hi-ho. Hi-ho. Uh, <laughs> he's digging. Where does he's that digging come graves. From? I love that we Sorry. open up in the very first. <laughs> Hi-ho. Hi-ho. And he's like a fucking dwarf from Snow White. <laughs> The, the coolest thing is the very first physical ex explanation of Dunk we get is he's a shaggy, big-boned dude. He's about 16, 17, and he's digging a grave. Hugely tall. Nice nod. Nice uh, nod that he stands closer to seven feet than six. He's, you know, real tall and big-boned, and he's digging a grave. Nice one, George. See you. I see you. Oh, yep. I see it. I see it. You're right. You see where I I'm going it. with it? Yep. Yep. You see it now? Yep. Nice nod, George. Nice nod. You, you thinking about Sandor Clegane right now? I see it. Uh, and that's what's great is George does put all these nods through here. Like we know, uh, he, I guess he confirmed through that, uh, he did confirm that one time that Brienne and Dunk come from the same line now. So. Oh, that wasn't, it was at a con. It was at Balticon. And right. one of the people from the A Song of Ice and Fire Facebook group actually asked George R. R. Martin about it. And I don't know if it was like a slip or something, but he just more or less confirmed that Brienne is... Dunk's progeny. Which is really interesting. Not even from like the bloodline like look like of how. I honestly don't even care how. Do I really care how they're related? Not really. It's more interesting to me all the parallels and the little nods and mirrors he's put in for people like Sandor and Brienne and Dunk and like nods through Dunk's story to being a true knight and what that embodies and different things that those two characters in modern Aeswath have said. I mean, I care about it only to the extent that, like, Dunk's love stories so far are just so pure, and I am convinced, like, jumping ahead, that his scene with Lady Rohan Weber is one of the best romantic 
scenes in the entire oh, series. I know. I'm so and excited to get to that story. If we get more of those, I am down to hear like how these occur. Well, I mean, um, we have to get more of those because Dunk fucked, dude. Apparently. If Brienne uh, is somehow from his line, Dunk fucked. Yeah, apparently a lot, I guess. Yeah. Good for him. Good for him, yeah. dude. I would fuck Dunk. I've fucked stupider and uglier, you know? Like, and he seems pretty hot and he's got a yeah. good head on his yeah. shoulders. I mean, like, he doesn't seem ugly at all. Yeah, I get it. I see it. Yeah. All of, like, the little scenes where he's undressed and, like, getting bathed in a lake. I'm like, yeah, Dunk fucked. For sure. Like, the top- oh, yeah. George speaks about how hard his abs are and stuff. And I'm like, yeah. So Dunk is ready to go after he buries Arlen. He, the rain, the smell of the rain's in the air. You know, he thinks about how there should be some prayers but he doesn't know any prayers to say over Arlen's body. And I think like one of the most telling parts of Dunk's characterization is when he's just like, I'd leave your sword, but it would rust in the ground. He said like apologetic, the gods will give you a new one. I wish you didn't die. Like that's literally, that's Dunk right there. Like, <laughs> I so wish you didn't die. Yeah. I wish, I wish you didn't die. And that's Dunk. That's where he's like, well, I have to take your sword to survive. Like you said, and I'm sorry about it. It would rust anyways, so kind of, you know, making do here, sir. Sorry. And I like that, like, you know, it says that he didn't know any prayers. And in this eulogy he's giving, it's not, it isn't a prayer to any of the seven. It's him speaking directly to, like, Sir Arlen. Yeah, to the man that raised him. The man that, you know, like, gave him a shelter, gave him childhood training to be a human in this world i mean like he could just been an orphan think of the orphans living at the inn that brienne meets you know like where they're just with the brotherhood and that's their life that's what they have now is they have the brotherhood as their parents pretty much yeah i mean he would have probably been worse off he would have been in flea bottom it would have been like Arya trying to catch pigeons worse because Arya eventually like gets to not do that he would have been stuck in flea bottom as an orphan in Flea Bottom trying to make a living for himself, he probably would have gotten into crime. You know, probably. organized crime, maybe. Unorganized crime, no one knows. Just, I mean, think about economically, you know, where there's no money in Flea Bottom and they're living right there under the king's rule. Think yeah. about the orphans yeah. and how the treatment of the kids in Flea Bottom is today by Cersei. Yeah. I mean, yikes. yikes. I also like in this um, prayer... A, he says you were true knight and you never beat me when I didn't deserve it, which kind of like mm. shows what his relationship is going to be like with Egg. I don't know if I, it's cute or not. It's just funny because like it's he in some ways tries to create the same sort of dynamic between him and Egg that he and Arlen had. It's like not going to be like that. Um, and then he tells Arlen that it was I didn't eat the pie. <laughs> That's about it. I just think it's funny that he's like, I didn't eat the pie. That wasn't me. By the way, <laughs> wish you would have effing believed me, asshole. Anyway, sorry, <laughs> you're dead. And it's sweet. It really just, again, it, it just gives to Dunk's character. He's an overall sweetie. He's just doing the best he can. He really is. His best is pretty good. <laughs> it is, obviously, especially in the end. Yeah. <laughs> Dunk sells off, like, Dunk is thinking, you know, I'm going to sell off the horses. No. Gonna, you know, not chestnut and thunder. <laughs> The horses. Okay. <laughs> I'm still, like not open. I was like rereading like part of it. I'm like, no, the horses. Is it like your inner seven-year-old just like really upset? It's not even like about an inner seven-year-old. I guess it like 
Okay, A, when I was a child, I did say that I wanted to grow up to be a horse and a dog, but, like, that's neither here nor there. I thought that was, like, legit a thing I could be when I grew up. Um, <laughs> How old were you when you thought this? Can we just... Like, four or five. five. Okay. I was like, I'm gonna grow up to be a dog. <laughs> um, I, Yeah, well, I also said horse, and horses are very hardworking, so... Anyway... <laughs> About, I don't know, the horses, they, it's just, it's not even, like, about, I th- guess I see them as, like, his friends. And they kind of symbolize giving up a certain freedom, selling the freedom that they had had was having those two horses before, and he wants to go yeah. for glory to try to, you know, get a good job. Like, he's out there, he's like, alright, gotta sell my buddies, gotta sell my freedom to make some money to buy a nice suit for this big, you know, job interview. That's basically what he's doing trying to start a new life uh, because I mean the hedge knight life isn't very good it's a life and it's an honest life and I think that's the biggest thing is being a hedge knight is an honest lifestyle but it's not one that sustains you know it doesn't nourish you like you get enough that you can take care of yourself he wants adventure he wants to see the world he wants maybe a family maybe he wants you know he doesn't know what he wants he's 16 17 He's never been out in the world. He's been under the world with Sir Arlen. He's gone places and done things, but he's never really been out in the world on his own. So it's kind of like he's trading part of his freedom for another freedom. Yeah. But the horses. But yeah. <laughs> but the horse. It's like the Sophie's choice of horses, okay? That's what he's doing. I understand. I know, Eliana. I'm sorry. I know it's. We'll just move past it, you know? We'll just keep going. I'll try not to bring the horses up. He thinks about how during the winters, especially during lean winters, some hedge knights turned robber. Yeah. And that totally was a flash that, like, reminded me of where we are right now in Sansa's plot, uh, in the Winds of Winter, how she has Sir Shadrich uh, is there looking for mm-hmm. Sansa Stark in the Vale, and he's a hedge knight, and about to be turned probably robber he's gonna try to uh kidnap sansa is what most people have speculated and i agree i don't think he's gonna succeed but uh he is a hedge knight out you know out looking he's accepting gold a bag of gold to go try to find a person and bring them back for a royal and that's like that's where you know the honest hedge knight life kind of changes yeah i mean there's nothing even that anywhere that says, I guess, that the Hedge Knight is... Well, I guess there's, like, the assumption that the Hedge Knight will be somewhat loyal just because of, like, the idea of knighthood. But, like, I guess because they're held in less regard, people have less of a... Respect. Expectations of them. Yeah, respect and expectations, which, like, kind of sucks. Yeah. They own no land look at the knights of the king's guard and the respect that they get just because they stand around with the king making sure he doesn't die where like these guys work their asses off you know work their hands bloody to just like do shit to make a dollar as they point out in this chapter like you gotta like you get one shot at this like tourney and like to not blow it and to actually make money like and they you- don't happen that often yeah, and if you blow it, that's it. You lose your horse, you lose your sword, you lose your armor. You need money to ransom that stuff back. That's your livelihood. You've given everything up just for that one moment. And that's just, really, that's his I want moment, you know, is when Dunk's like, I'm going to the tourney and I'm going to sign up and I'm going to do it. That's his I want 
for the book. You know, that's his part of the story where he, that's his choice. That's his fate, you know? It's such a gamble, like, because you see later on in the chapter, he's like scoping out the competition and what? So the hedge knight who doesn't necessarily get to just own all of their stuff and they're gambling it away. They're gambling it against people who have so much more means like in terms of they oh, yeah. had Armor, training swords, and food they have food they have huge they have food. he's looking at the big silk pavilions dunk shows up and he's just like looking at the pavilions and just all the silk and all the emblems and sigils and they have everything he has nothing yeah. what's it to them if they lose like another suit of armor but along with that like it plays into some of like the lessons in some of john's a game of thrones chapters where he's like man, fuck all these people here. I am so great at things. And they're like, yeah, well, you were trained formally in combat. Yeah, these guys just like, this is it for them. This is their life now. And they never had that training. I mean, most of those guys in the Night's Watch, again, are all like baseborn, lowborn. Yeah. Don't have dads. Or they did and their dads just beat them all the time. Like, listen, pretty boy snow. <laughs> pretty boy snow. Pretty boy snow. I was thinking of like Pretty Girl Rock by Carrie. I was also pretty thinking about girl that, rock, but pretty there was snow, snow, snow. There was that my song by Soldier Boy. It's like this here is by like swag or something, and it's called Pretty Boy Swag. <sighs> and yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yep. Yeah, I'm gonna we're we're gonna link this too. No, we're not gonna link this. We can't link it. If, <laughs> never mind. <sighs> he ends up uh, at. He just shows up. After he's going on to Ashford for the turn, he stops the small village, giving his horse to a stable boy. Such a, like, such a good first meeting. Like, this is the big, best first intro meeting ever. Like, he just is like, you're the stable boy. And he's trying to act like a big dude also. like oh, so funny. I always, I always laugh because he's like, oh, and he's so, I love Dunk. But throughout this book, especially, like, he thinks, oh, it must be because of this all the time about certain things about, like, with egg deceiving him and the reader is just like no no dunk you're just kind of a little slow on the uptake but that's okay i mean he's naked like also we we kind of just i'm still confused like what are you doing like why i mean i guess he was cleaning himself but here's egg egg's just walking around naked what are you doing child he's just dripping from the stream just taking his cloak and drying himself off and he's, he's just like caked in mud. Clean. <laughs> a terrible job. Which goes to show royals need the small people to help them, apparently, because they're stupid. <laughs> like, wash yourself. Get a job. Oh, my God. Uh, well, <laughs> get a job, Aegon Targaryen. I mean, here, here's Ed getting his first job now. He's a stable boy. <laughs> wow, it's just that easy when you're white in Westeros, huh? Yeah. He's like, I could if I wanted. Can you tell to them? <laughs> I and guess. He did. God, what terrible customer service, Egg. Terrible. Oh, uh, yeah, like, he literally is the worst worker, too. Like, he would be fired, for sure, if he wasn't so charming. Yeah. If he, were... if he wasn't just a cute kid. Yeah, if he weren't so adorable. Pat, pat. Punk just, like, immediately rattles off, okay, I need you to do this, this, and this for me if you're the stable boy. Yeah, and Egg's like, I guess. He's like, okay. I have not confirmed that I'm the stable boy's new boy. <laughs> he literally does not say that he's the stable boy once. I'd like to say, Egg's like sitting there like, I didn't lie, technically, first off. <laughs> yeah, he's thinking that. And also, I think he's like a little tickled on the inside. He's like, ooh, never, no one's ever talked to me like this before. 
<laughs> yeah, he's kind of getting it. He's like, wow, I like being normal. This is fun for me. Because, I mean, like, that's pretty much what it was. He hates his family because <laughs> a bunch of them are assholes. They like, really are. There's, like, one good person. Yeah, and he dies. <sighs> spoiler. We'll get there. I mean, the spoiler alert is everybody dies. Except for... Everybody uh, dies. Except for Blood Raven. Yeah, literally. How did that happen? Like, tree power. Like, honestly, I wish we had some weirwoods. I want some everlasting life. Holy shit. Talk no, everlasting over here. I don't want to, I don't want everlasting life like a blood ravens. Like, if I'm going to have everlasting life, I want to be, like, cute forever, you know? I don't want to just be, like, wrinkly with a fucking branch in my eye. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? You'd be really cute. I guess. That, that can be our new accessory, I suppose. Accessory? Oh, I I did not, but we can pretend that I did and just make that a thing. That was better for me. So I want to read my favorite thing in the world of their meeting. I don't mean to get sad on us again, but here I am getting sad on us again. You don't look to be a knight. Do all knights look the same? No, but they don't look like you either. Your sword belt's made of rope. Hashtag not all knights, but also yes. Like the very first meeting, though, between them, you don't look to be a knight. But he was, Egg. He ended up being the truest knight in your story, Aegon. Like, yeah. Well, copper if you do well, and a cloud in the ear if you don't. <laughs> See to my horses. Yeah. Damn, dude. Yeah, I can't Little even shit. imagine like his sword belt being made of rope. Did like does that mean Sir Arlen didn't have a sword belt? I mean, if he did, it probably wouldn't have fit him. Did he say that? I feel like he might have said that. I don't remember. I'm a butt. Yeah, it's too far back. I'm not going to scroll yeah, back. If I look back, I am lost. <sighs> so immediately he goes in the inn, and Darren the Dreamer uh, and is there. Just pass out at a table. Dunk's about to get some ale and some food, and, and just, like, chill the hell out. Kind of try to zen out before this tourney, before he feels like he's going to go make a big fool of himself. And Darren the Dreamer just, like, sits up. And wakes up, drunk as shit, passed out on a table. Mood. Big mood. Um, and just, like, points at Duncan. He's like, I dreamed of you. You stay away from me. You hear? You stay well away. And he's like, what the fuck is wrong with this drunk asshole? Oh, this is, he's like, man, this is not what I expected in this D&D campaign. But, like, <sighs> in this tavern. Yeah, also, absolutely. I also want to, like, double back for just one second because I, I'm never gonna get over this. This lamb does sound really good and so do these ducks. Like this is just a tavern but this is some classy ass food right here. Like good lamb roasted with a crust of herbs and some ducks my son shot down. We don't know how the ducks are cooked. I imagine they're cooked very tastily but yes. Yeah I feel like there's were there vegetables? They don't mention regarding the duck. I don't remember what he chooses. Yeah, no, I don't see any vegetables. I don't even... I don't know if he even... Yeah, does he eat... The lamb was good as any he'd ever eaten, and the duck was better, cooked with cherries and lemons. Ooh, Ooh, that sounds really good. Not as greasy as most. The innkeep brought buttered peas as well and oat and bread still hot from her oven. This is what it means to be a knight, he told himself as he sucked the last bit of meat off the bone. Good food, ale whenever I want it, and no one to clout me in the head. Yeah, I don't know. It sounds pretty good. I mean, I don't think I that's can... what it means to be a knight, but... Oh, that's true. You're right. 
That is yeah. what, that is the message there. I didn't think about that. That is the message there. I was just like, yeah, good food, good food. This kind of gives me a different mindset now because for him, he thought a true knight were the knights of the King's Guard. I mean, he even says later on when he sees them, like, how am I going to fight a King's Guard? Like, to him, a true knight is that when the whole time he was a true knight. And the treasure, the real treasure was the friends we made along the way. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pointing at the door. You can't see me, but get okay. out. Bye, guys. Thanks for having me on Drug the Song of Ice and Fire History. It's been fun. <laughs> Sit down. Anyways. Um, he, uh, he eats, man, and he's just, like, eating, and he goes to check on his horses, and he gets out there and flipping little Egg, the stable boy, is mounted on Thunder, the horse. <laughs> Which is, like, hilarious. <laughs> Wearing the old man's armor, like the hauberk and like the helm, all of it, the shield, just looking utterly absurd, dude. Like just horribly absurd. I just love that, like, it's Duncan. He's just trying to sound like mean and stern, also, because, like, it's just he's trying to embody Sir Arlen. Yeah, it's so funny. He's trying to be the, well, you get off there, son. Like, that's a war horse. And you're like, you're 16. Sit down, Dunk. It also reminds me of, like, Arya, um, mm-hmm. like, when the, when the, when King Rob- Robert is arriving and stuff, like, I think, I think this was, um, in the show, I don't remember if they did it in the books, where yeah, she's, like, wearing, yeah, about. she's just wearing the little helmet, and she's, like, oh, I want to see the king, and, like, she's running around, and she just looks absurd, and it's so adorable, and it is. That's exactly what I think about with Ag too. Like he's just running around, skinny little mess, like naked. all bones, all knees. He's just all knees, all skinny That's and true. knees, naked, covered in mud. Yeah, <laughs> you are own... a royal child. Yeah, where are your clothes? Where are your own damn clothes? You go inside, and Darren's covered in like his silk mantle and like you know, looking lordly. And you got Ag out there running around like a hooligan. Yeah, neither of them are very noble seeming no or they're very noble seeming and no. that that's what we find out they're really like what they're yeah, just absolutely. like us drunk Absol- they're normal drunk <laughs> <laughs> yeah do you know how many times i wonder if i'm actually daring the dreamer dude like I mean, daily you could be should be telling more people to stay away from me i'm going to i'm just gonna start pointing at them you get away so basically we come to the point dunk takes egg with him as a little apprenticey squire that's that's what we get to and he threatens to beat him a few times which is great that's what being a knight's all about as dunk knows and he says i never knew a joust to change the price of eggs and he's gonna go it's gonna change the price of eggs and they're mm. gonna be dirty that's really good because of like egg yeah it changes the price of eggs i just that literally i mean that tourney changed a lot of crap like that made it so Egon did end up king eventually too you know what i mean like that's true it would not have fallen to him quite as quickly exactly if that tourney hadn't happened Egon wouldn't have become king i mean yeah he might not have like baylor could have lived his sons might have still died from like 
the plague. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if Baylor didn't, theoretically, he could just like make more sons. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Aegon might not have ended up the king. None of yep. this would have, anyways. So <laughs> none <laughs> of these stories would be real. Wow. Oh. And they're so real now. Dunk, like, basically tells Egg, no, you can't come with me, you shit ass. Like, you stay here with your mother, the innkeep. And he's like, that's not my mom. Okay. And he just straight up, like, leaves the kid. And you literally think, you know, a pity I can't take the kid with me. He has a good life here. Better than he would have, like, squiring for me. So I'm just gonna leave him. You know? And, like, that's the the most ironic, like, he has a good life here at the inn, this little kid, this little naked mud-covered kid. He has a great life. What a good, what a good egg. <laughs> what a good egg. Yeah, well, first off, yes, he probably needed to have the crap beaten out of him as a kid. Apparently all Targaryens should have, honestly. Not to not to put that out there, but all these Targaryens could have used a couple spankings. Okay, they yeah. we could have just beat Viserys Targaryen around the head a few times. Give him a couple clouts. Mostly Arians. Yeah. Oh, Arian's the worst. He really is, though. I mean, he's, like, right up there. I'm trying to think of... Uh, I'm not going to make a list of the worst Joffrey right now. Like, that's what, for me, a lot of people compare Joffrey to, like, to being horrible and being, like, major and being, like, you know, different cruel people. But Arian, like, this story totally highlights, like, just doing shit because he's an asshole. Yeah, totally. And that's how Joffrey kind of lived. And he, like, ruined everything. Um, yeah, everything, dude. It was like such a nice fun turdy and then Arian showed up. Like, okay, here's a good one. Like, who's the worst Targaryen and why is it Arian? Like I mean, like it's there, really there's like, actually a good handful. Yeah, it's really that. Aries, but like Arian's like up there for sure. And even with Aries too, like Aries too, yeah, he was shitty, but uh, and not to play devil's advocate here, but I mean, he became shitty for a reason. Like, after, like, yeah, he was shitty at first, but his people, so like, Tywin didn't help. Like, he kind of moved him in different directions. Uh, During the defiance at Duskendale, like, him getting straight up kidnapped. Like, yeah, he was being an asshole, but like, they abused the shit out of him, throw him in a cell, yeah. like, intimidate him, and he becomes crazier than shit after that. Like, that's what really broke the paranoia in for Eris, in my opinion. Like, Eris was just, like, he was just crazy yeah. as shit after that. Didn't Arian let like, anyone come near him. Yeah, Arian just had, like, no excuse. He was just, like... Yeah, Arian was just a shithead. Yeah. yeah. He should have spent more time running around I guess, like a naked child, and maybe he'd have been a per- better person. I don't well, know. Well, and that's like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's where you ask, too, like, where did this come in for Viserys? Like, they're on the run. How old's Viserys when Rayla dies? Isn't he, like, six, five, four? He's, like, seven, there? I believe. Okay. I think. So, like, I don't remember. What sense of entitlement do you think for Viserys? Is he just, like, he grew up with such a sense of entitlement, and then he's whisked away because, you know, their dynasty falls, and <clears throat> he just stays an asshole his whole life? Like Danny points out that the moment that they had to sell his mother's crown and stuff, like, broke him, and he was just, like, mm-hmm. never the same after that. Yeah, because um, she has all these memories of him being a good brother, I mean, like, and protecting her in the... In some moments, yeah. So, like... Yeah. I mean, he was in some high-stress situations, like... 
I digress. <laughs> it's a journey. Um, we're on a journey. <laughs> we are on a journey. I'm so excited that we're doing this, Eliana. This is fun. Uh, this me is too. Fun me too. <laughs> I am excited. Like, I mean, it's Sunday night. I'm not doing anything. The best night. Like, I'm just hanging out with my girlfriend. Just hanging out, talking about naked kids and horses. That's fine. It's normal. The horse. The horses. The horse. These shouldn't. Never mind. Um, she just had a thousand yard stare. That was good. She just. She saw. She had like a flashback to the horses. <laughs> um. So Dunk is like off to this tourney. He's ready to go. He's like, let's go. Let's get to Ashford. He is going. He is like. Uh, seeing some pavilions that are risen that are like large, square, round, sailcloth, silk, brightly colored, long banners, wildflowers, like gorgeous, gorgeous pavilions. This. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I just me love too. the way this is described in like this long ass sentence. It's just great. I know, like the rich reds and sunny yellows and countless shades of green and blue, deep blacks and grays and purples. If there's one thing George can do, he can effing color a scene man like as we know like i mean the four pages of feast food you know there you you really feel like you're there he'll tell you the sway of the grass and how the night's alive and how the stars and the dusk and just all this crap where you're like we're there we are in the meadow we are in ashford meadow yeah surrounded yeah. by these tents and pavilions it's a lot of detail uh, imagery it's it's nice though it really is like i love I mean, like, I love his prose. George gets into some really nice prose, and I love just his scenery and imagery and details in general. But Duncan Egg, for what a simple story and, like, what short, simple novellas they are, he puts so much detail into them yeah. that really make them come alive. Um, and he and starts recounting, like, all of the lords that he knows. like, And that's where, it's like, we see with Sansa recounting different heraldry all the time, and we see, like, with Podrick and Tyrion uh recounting Dornish heraldry and like you know just different different little things in the in the series and in like the overall series that we see and I love having moments like that where he's starting to say like he sees the nightingales of the marches and he sees like the stag of House Baratheon and he sees the Tarly Huntsman and Dondarrion's lightning bolt and the Fossaway's red apple because this is before the green apple happened. <laughs> Oh, we're so getting excited. there i'm so excited i know it's like actually like hashtag i was gonna say best girl but like not best girl i don't know hashtag best person <laughs> or my faves one of them definitely yeah, absolutely love them fastways love them uh, uh yeah what i liked about this scene is like so there's a really interesting detail of like Though he had never learned the magic of reading or writing, the old man had been relentless when it came to teaching him, Dunk, heraldry, often drilling him as they rode. And, like, I was like, why would the old man be so, like, why would Arlen be so relentless about this? It's not just, like, A, obviously, it's so that we can have this exposition moment of mm -hmm. who's here and, like, all these, like, little drops of, oh, hey, there's that person that we know from the books. Um, we can recognize this house and their history, but it's also there's totally um, a practical component to it because like if you're out there in the heat of battle, you need to know who's on your side and who isn't and yes. knowing heraldry, knowing like the colors of the people who, with whom you're fighting for or like against 
is something that you need to know because that's like important for a life or death situation on top of like they just knowing who like the political landscape that you inhabit and the more and like on top of that now dunk is finding himself in a situation that has transcended the battlefield i mean he's at a battlefield with wits a battlefield with you know being smart enough to politically maneuver through i mean like high lords he's never been in this situation alone you know anytime he's been serving a higher lord it's been with sir arlen sir arlen's been the one in charge dunk is just there to be the second and follow orders and learn and so it's kind of finally like all these tests that dunk has you know gone through as sir arlen all of the learning that sir arlen gave him in training he's trying to put it to the test right now he's trying to do it uh, and he doesn't realize it at this moment as he's like seeing all those things as we get that nice exposition dump. But he has to know that stuff to be able to actually talk to these people because it, as he learns, he shows up and he goes in to try to, you know, get a spot in this tourney. And as he goes on, he's learning, dude, you got to know more stuff than just how to fight to be able to get through. Oh, yeah. But it's not just like, yeah, it's more than just fighting it's as we see when it comes to like the tourney at heron hall tourneys and and even at white walls later on you know it's not just the fighting like these are places where it's like the fucking grammys or not grammys i don't know one of the maybe the golden globes also the grammys whatever but it's not just that it's also like it's their golden globes and their like un summit all the people are there and they're fighting they're also politicking and like building alliances etc years and years and years ago you look at the very beginning before even like during the andal invasion right before you're looking at there was a king in every corner and now kings have been reduced and watered down to high lords in every corner while they have one king it is you know finding these alliances and seeing what just in case we want to make sure you know we have support from the right people because you never know when shit's gonna hit the fan i mean (laughs) eventually it will it always does look at you know the blacks versus reds as we discussed like this was a big time these are all these names you have to know because when that war happens yeah everyone against each other and and that's the thing is it's all these high lords squabbling to get a piece of the cheese yeah Damn, I got real teased here for a second because I was just like not reading closely of which houses were here. I was going to be like, Chloe, look, it's House Reed. But no, it's just literally reeds growing along the edge of a pool. (laughs) (laughs) My bad. It's symbolism. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe it is. Just like (laughs) our drinks. Uh, Screw off, Eliana. Um, Well, I I was excited for a second. Then I was like, oh. Wait, no. I read this wrong. I'm glad it's become it's become something that like everyone looks for that stuff now. Like Chloe, can you believe it? And I'm like, yeah, I know. Welcome. Welcome you guys to my TED talk about why Howlin Reed and Ashara Dane are in the neck together right now. Anyways, moving past that. Anyways. Um, so Dunk is like surveying, looking, and he's going over all this history and lore in his head, which is nice. Again, it's an exposition drop. I mean, you're learning about the Brackens and the Blackwoods. Uh, You see their little rivalry that we obviously know about already. Um, But you get deeper 
you know, uh, imagery about it from way before and where it stems from. Uh, he sees Blackwood banners, he sees Marbrand, Malister, Westerling, Cargill, Swan, Mullendore, Hightower, Florent, Frey, Penrose, Stokeworth, Daffy, Perrin, Wild. You see all these houses, and he sees, you know, all of the West and Southern houses had sent at least a few knights to Ashford to brave the lists. Um, and as he's there, he feels so alone. He's like, I'm not meant to be here. I have a threadbare brown cloak. Like, uh, all these people are wearing, like, you know, like the finest silks and sables and finest gauntlets crafted, you know, by their big bull. And, you know, just all of them lords look great and they're eating really good food. And Dunk is like, well, I'm poor. I have a really shitty thrift store cloak and I'm going to sit here and eat some beef jerky. Like, that's. Yeah, it doesn't That's even sound like good beef jerky. No, like a stringy piece of salt beef. A hard stringy piece of salt beef. Ugh. Ugh. And he's like, I must earn my place in that company. Like, most of these people didn't... I don't know, a lot of them didn't earn their They're place. They just, like, were born there. They were born to it, and they knew the right people. Yeah. It's pretty it's bummer. And then he's gonna eat fresh meat every night. Mm -hmm. Is it on pavilion? Yep. Is it Man. So. The sadder thing is it's totally like this scene, which like, not to like, get meta into my own life, but it's like the scene where you're at your first big day of school, and you walk out into the lunchroom, and you look around, and there's nowhere for you to sit, and you go to the bathroom, and you have your lunch tray in your lap in the bathroom, and you're just eating a sandwich, sitting on the toilet, trying not to cry, you know? Yeah. No, no, Just... no, but I'm going to say yes in solidarity. Thanks. Is it because you're sad? Cause... I am sad. I am I mean, sad. He has this idea, you know, he's like, I'm going to get there. I someday I'll have my own pavilion. But first, I'm going to go no. there. I'm going to get washed up. Get some armor. I, I am going to win. I am going to all I have to do is win one time. You know, like that's his big. Yeah. It's not even like a high bar. Which, like, I understand. He's being realistic. He's just got to win once. And that's going to just be enough for him to sustain him. Ugh. And I do want to point out, to bring back to that when you were talking about how you read the reads. <laughs> I want to talk about how he watches a dragonfly lazily moving among yes. the reeds. Yes. We I all know what that symbolizes. That. We all know what that symbolism is. That is some... Jenny of Old Stones bullshit. That's not what I was thinking, but yes, you're right. <laughs> now I see it. Okay. <laughs> oh, heck. Oh, heck and heck. Anyways, what I was going to say was, uh, Dunk watches a dragonfly move lazily among the reeds. Why would they name it a dragonfly? He wondered. It looks nothing like a dragon, all that. Yes, Dunk does think he'd never seen a dragon. And he had, obviously, because egg. Uh, but he doesn't know it. Um, but also, I find that some really interesting uh, little symbolism, seeing as later on you have Prince Duncan and Jenny of Oldstone's Egg's He's Child. Duncan and... the Small. The Small. <laughs> Duncan the Small. <laughs> the Small. And, well, I mean, the big fandom debacle and debate always is, like, had Egg not let his kids marry for love, like, would it have turned out all right? Uh, I don't know. 
I mean, on one hand, like, I don't know. It, like, is weird because of the whole prophecy thing, you know? And that's a whole other discussion. Like, prophecy, like, does it become, like, like, if it's prophecy, like, is it 100% going to happen? Or is it self-fulfilling prophecy, which you have a really good uh, take, especially when it comes to Cersei with her prophecy for Maggie. I know you feel like it's unnecessary, I think there's, um, like, some some of the vid is self-fulfilling, and we'll, like, get to it, especially later on in, like, even within Duncan Egg, like, within the Hedge Knight, we can talk about it, um, with the stuff with Daron, yeah. but, like, uh, it's just, like, I sort of wonder, regardless of the prophecy, like, okay, so if there's a prophecy that the prince that was promised or whatever would be born from, like, Ares and Rayella's line had Dunk. Mm-hmm had Sir Dunk Prince Duncan the Small never gotten with Jenny and everyone like never like married for love, etc. Mm-hmm. That means we wouldn't have a prince that was promised and then everyone's like totally fucked. Is prophecy like does that mean that's how it has to happen? And they would be fucked? Or does it mean that it's gonna happen that way no matter what, whether you try to make it now? Like if even if he had, like, did they have to marry for love for all that to happen? You know? Yeah, I think that's a question uh, that I guess George is wrestling with, and maybe I mean that the story in general is wrestling with, and maybe we'll get an answer one day. And But we might not ever. <laughs> I don't want to think about that. I, I no, don't, I, don't, not, I don't mean like, like that. I don't mean like that. I don't mean because yeah. we're never going to get the last book. Um, I mean... <laughs> Because, uh, she said subtly, uh, I mean, like, maybe he won't answer that question. You know, maybe that's something he will leave up to interpretation. I mean, look at great published works like Lord of the Rings. There are so many things in that that we still don't know. No, Uh, I mean, like, I agree. I definitely don't think he's going to answer that question. And, like, I'm actually personally of the opinion that I would prefer it if we never got an exact answer to who, like, the prince that was promised or who Azora High is, and if that's left completely ambiguous. Mm-hmm. But I think that we don't have the full, I guess, argument that the story is making, is what I mean. Like, all yeah. the things to piece together what it commentary it wants to make on that idea. Absolutely. And I think, in a way, leaving it ambiguous um, by doing so, like, George is kind of answering that by leaving it ambiguous like prophecy is what it what you make of it um which we've learned that through people like melisandra in the main story who have obviously some some mistakes have been made she's a self-made woman though she's getting yeah she's an old bitch an old bitch love her God god bless her yeah the red one (laughs) <laughs> the red one yes sir arlen uh tells him when he's a little boy that his grandfather had taken him to king's landing and they saw the last dragon the year before it died yeah and he tells him all this story about king aegon uh they say he like poisoned her and the third aegon would be but uh you know dragon bane or the unlucky and just like all the lore that he learns about the dragons from sir arlen is very interesting it's very interesting exposition drop. Yeah. 
it's sad. Like, I mean, especially because, like, this all ties into some of the other novellas we get, obviously. Like, The Princess and the Queen and The Rogue Prince. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. The impression that I get from, like, some of the other histories of Aegon Third is that he doesn't seem like he would have intentionally poisoned the dragon. But it's, it's interesting because, like, we're not ever really sure what's fact and fiction about some of the dragons but by saying that well, especially because um, like, we're getting a lot of the info from maesters too and maesters yeah. were anti-magic i mean or are anti-magic and they like like a lot of it like from the world of ice and fire and stuff like they straight up weren't there <laughs> like this is written centuries after that so having Arlen's, propaganda yeah having arlen's Arlen's perspective shows that, yeah, actually he had seen the last dragon, and it was small and stunted. Yeah, that's kind of a, it's a nice confirmation uh, from, like, something like the World of Ice and Fire, where we're like, we don't know if we can trust the narrator, especially considering that the narrator's motivations are get rid of magic, where Dunk heard it from Sir Arlen, and although Sir Arlen isn't always the most reliable narrator through Dunk, as we learn later on. Yeah, uh, and even in this. Yeah, exactly. Like, sure, this isn't reliable, but I mean, that's what the small folk heard. That's what he heard through, you know, everyone yeah. that he hears news from as a kid, through his grandfather, through those people. So, who to believe? Well, I mean, honestly, I would go with the small folk point of view, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess it depends on what it, what is being said. What it is. Yeah. Yeah. But with the dragons, at least, I mean, interesting that he gets all these thoughts that Sir Arlen told him, you know. And, I mean, then we get the classic line, the summers have been shorter since the last dragon died and the winter's longer and crueler, which that really gives a lot to the mystical aspects of uh, A Song of Ice and Fire because we don't know what controls these seasons, but I very much so feel as if all the magic and all the crazy seasons and the long night come again and all that is in part due to each other. We don't know how, but in part hashtag due to each magic. other hashtag uh magic yeah it i'm not a i'm not as savvy into a lot of the mythical astronomy i always recommend if it's something that people want to get into check out lml uh lucifer, lucifer light ringer mythical astronomy yeah that's i recommend checking his stuff out it's some of it goes way over my head some of it he says and i'm like wow that's so smart i don't even know how to tie my shoe anymore but <laughs> it's just I don't. He's just really good, man. He's got some really good stuff. Uh, yeah. I don't know, but I don't know all that. I don't. Some of that stuff I know just from listening to him, but I don't know uh, a lot of the kind of thought and theory behind some of the, you know, magic disappearing, magic appearing seasonals. But obviously, there is a connection, like the comet and the magic and the long night, and you know. But I do think that line is a direct nod to that, to the kind of mythical astronomy and mm-hmm. to the dragons dying and all that. So it's interesting that George, especially because, like, I always like to keep in mind with the novellas, George is writing these and putting things in these on purpose. Like, there are nods in the history that George puts out on purpose. Like, there would be no point in telling the history if oh, yeah. it didn't apply to current obviously. So there are so many parallels inside this story to connect with the modern ASWAF. Uh, there's so many. So in the or- the order that these books are published in, I don't know, as I was skimming through, I noticed that 
you know, in the puppet show, they're doing like Florian um, and Jonquil. And like, we obviously are so familiar with that because the book that was pub- published right before The Hedge Knight comes out mm-hmm. is A Storm Four. of Swords. Yeah. So that ob- that story obviously plays like a big role in there. Absolutely. It's interesting to notice kind of a... Uh it's interesting to see like the certain things like that that affect the framework because when so uh, when did mystery night come out technically like book wise was that i think it came out right before dance um let me wait not right before let me see let me see on my hand yeah it came out the year before dance so march 2010 so that's something to keep in mind too as we go through you know Obviously, um, I'm so excited. We have several people for Sworn and Mystery. I have a couple other people that are coming on to do it. I've got Zach from Game of Owns oh. is going to be on. Yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, okay. I have, who do I have? I have Joe Buckley from Tower in the Hand oh. uh, come on. Yeah, he's going to be doing some stuff. So I'm really excited to get through Dunkin' Egg, not to like get cheesy, but this is like the thing I've been kind of wanting to do, man. I, uh, I've i been wanting to do this for a while, so I'm really excited that you're here to share it with me. Well, thank and you for that... having me here at the beginning. Of course. Thank you. Of course. I'll always be able to remember the very first one. Uh, uh, and there's so much more to come from it. I'm your first. Yeah, you're my first. We, You don't know this because of the magic of editing, but we have more alcohol now. Yes, we're back with more alcohol. We took a small break. You don't know, but we do. And <laughs> Eliana has a lot of alcohol. And maybe so does Chloe. No one knows. That's for freaking no sure. The mystery. It's the mystery night. Um... <laughs> the mystery night of alcohol. Yeah. Oh, heck. Uh, so we're basically where we left off. Uh, <laughs> Dunk has just found his little home for the weekend. He is, like, about to go set off for the tourney grounds. He's like, all right, leaving my horse here, the safe little place. Gonna go to town, gonna get some armor. Here we go, here we go. And he's just hi-hoing yeah. up to town. He's, like, off to Astro Meadow to see a lady, fair maiden, hi-ho, hi-ho. That's not how the song went, but I say it is. Um... I mean, Dunk, up, yes. Dunk made his own song about going to the Ashford tourney, so, like, you can make your own goddamn song, too. Do whatever you want. Thank you. Thanks. I believe in me, too. Yeah, Dunk has given me the courage to make my own song, which is close enough. It's kind of like a cover, I guess. I don't know. Uh, and he's just seeing all this magical shit, man. He's seeing jugglers and puppeteers and magicians wandering around with their trades. Uh, the whores and the cut purses. He's, like, holding on to his coin in his pocket, making sure it's there, because he knows people are out there trying to rob. And he's hungry, he, like, buys a sausage with a copper and a horn of ale, and he watches wooden knights battling painted wooden dragons, and he watches a puppeteer. Uh, and she is a tall drink of water, this puppeteer. Literally tall. Literally a tall. A tall drink of water. The olive skin and the black hair of Dorn, and she's slim as a lance and flat-chested as shit. But he liked her face and the way her fingers made the dragon snap and slither at the end of its strings. I mean, Ooh. don't most men Ooh. just want a girl that can, like, bring a dragon to its knees? Yeah. Oh, uh, n- nope, I wasn't quick enough. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of something, like, I don't know. 
Puppeteer in the streets, dragon in the sheets. There we go. That's something. I threw that out there. That exists we're now. Like, puppeteer in the streets, old man in the sheets. Because yeah. we know the theory. Uh, so we're about yeah. to be introduced to Tansel Tutal, um, who everybody uh, meets as this beautiful, skinny Dornish girl with no boobies. And she's just tall and she's got dark hair and she's good at puppeteering. I don't know if that's like a trait, but I guess it is now. Thanks, Dunk. Yeah, she's uh, like a bard. Yeah, you know? she's like a, a bard, a puppet bard. In the in the world of D and D, she's a bard. She's yeah. well, the bard class. Mm-hmm. And he thinks he would have tossed the girl a copper if he'd had one to spare, but just now he needed every coin. Bitch, you just bought a sausage and some ale for a copper, and now you're like, oh no, 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 I can't support your art. Like, okay, but he does later. Yeah, he does support her art later, if you know what I mean. He also literally gives her some coppers later, doesn't he? I mean, yeah, for especially for his uh, shield, I think, too. Yeah, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. that too. Um, and also. Me, I see how it is, Dunk. Doesn't want to support her art, but wants to support her art. But also, he's literally, I mean, at least he's not like, yo, can you make me a logo for my, like... Fucking new DJ set. Uh, no, I don't have. I don't have a budget. And he's like, can no, you I'm imagine gonna... him as like a shitty dubstep DJ, like trying I mean, to play at like a festival? I can. Like handing out his mixtape. Yes, actually, I can imagine that. <laughs> like really hot, like tall, and has like the fuckboy hair, with like long fuckboy hair. Like it fades up to the sides, and he has like a little like long mohawky thing that mm. lays flat down. The answer is still yes, I can. I don't want to, but I can um, because you have put this image in my head. Does he have a lot of tattoos in your head, too? No, but now he does. Everything that cool. you're saying, look at all this imagery, everyone. We we out here. We're writing our <laughs> we own. Out here. What do you think Donk's tattoos are? What do you think his sleeve is? Mm, okay, one of them is obviously Sir Arlen's face. Um, the other ones are... Started from, started from the flea bottom, now we're here. Ah! Oh my um, god, that's really good. That was I know, good, right? Anna. Thank you, thank You're you. Really good. I'm gonna assume that no one else has come up with that. I think someone else might have come up with that, but let's pretend that everyone heard it here first. Sorry, from Flea Bottom, now the whole team is fucking here. Um, yeah. <laughs> I wonder, what like... What about he, you? What tattoos do you think he has? I think he would have, like, Sir Arlen's sigil, like, tattooed on his, like, yeah. upper arm, oh, like, yeah. on his shoulder... We'd have that uh, tattoo there, and maybe like the wings coming off of it, and everything would be really nice. The wing chalice. Yeah. Yeah, and then maybe like with his sigil crossed next to it that he comes up with eventually, he'd get that added on, and like I don't know, maybe he'd have like some hot naked chick with her hair covering her boobs, like a wood nymph style thing. Like I don't know, like a back piece. Ooh, like Lady <laughs> Rohan Weber. She has a lot of hair. Yeah, he would have like a chick with like long wavy red hair covering her titty and her butt and then and her badge yeah. and everything. You can't see it, you know, really tastefully done. Like what if he also has an egg? Not like the person egg, but like a but an actual an egg. egg symbolizing the person with egg. The scales. Yeah, with the scales yeah. and they're like like black fading into red, surrounded by like green wisps. Yeah. I, I mean, support this. I support DJ Dunk. <laughs> And then he's just <laughs> handing out his mixtape. He's like, you guys gotta listen. It's straight fire. Straight wildfire. Oh, or straight dragon fire. Hmm. Depending. Mm. Yeah. 
<sighs> that was so good. the hedge knight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the hedge knight. Uh, ends up finding... Uh, uh, he ends up going and he finds a dude to make him some armor. And that's Steely Pate. Steely Dan. Steely Dan. <laughs> Dunk. Another act at the same music that's festival close. that DJ Dunk is at. <laughs> Steely Pate. Yes. He's a Pate headliner. Pate pleasure. Ooh. He's a headliner. Yeah. Well, maybe. I don't know. I guess Steely Dan. No, I wouldn't say so. I mean, he's, he's probably yeah. just like another dude just trying to make his way. He'd just be above Dunk. He wouldn't be handing out mixtapes. He's selling his mixtapes. That's. Well, I, he's probably not selling mixtapes because I, I see, don't think Steely Pate, if he's anything like Steely Dan, is doing mixtapes. He's like definitely like putting out his CD and he's being at like, least yeah, got EP. He's like not on SoundCloud. He's on Bandcamp, you know? Yeah, selling his EP. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You're correct. He's mm-hmm. so on Bandcamp. Dunk like just uploaded three tracks to SoundCloud today for the first time. Yeah, but actually that's what he did. He's like, oh, Sir Arlen's dead. I just learned to use. Um, Audacity. Uh, not, not Audacity. What's the other thing? Able, Ableton or something like Able, that. Ableton, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, oh, this is good. This is a good AU. I'm really into this AU. Thank you for this. We should make this a real thing. I'm going to write a fanfic on it tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. Like all the opposite right. parts. We'll work on it. Um. Yeah. So he goes to the smith. <laughs> he tries to get armor. Not the smith. The smith. Sit down. Uh, Thanks. The Smiths said it's just like a bunch of really sad dudes making armor. Yeah, they would they would be a headliner for sure. Yeah, like they would just be saying like that they haven't found what they're looking for. Wait, that's you too. Yeah. No, they'd be singing, let me get <laughs> they'd oh just be saying, please, 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 let me sell what I've got this time. <laughs> Lord knows, damn, they must not be very good Smiths if they're like, Lord knows it'd be the first time. Damn dude. <laughs> You just hear them like singing asleep while they're very sadly clanking away at some armor. I don't want to wake up and make armor anymore. Oh. <sighs> I know, kind of sad. Really no hours. Not this fast. <laughs> this charming man. Oh, yes. Uh, <sighs> could this charming man uh, be actually about. No, they don't have charms, glamours. I don't know. Never mind. I'm done. We're done. Let's let's talk about Duncan Egg. <laughs> have you ever read this story? Uh, I don't know how to read. We're gonna get a shenanigans on this podcast. We're I thought that was the point. I thought that's the reason. That is the point. Do. I'm very in love with the shenanigans. We just went off on a freaking Coachella theme. Duncan did. Egg. Uh, we didn't even talk about like Rohan Weber at Coachella wearing a crop top, like. Wait, that's why they're all sleeping in fucking pavilions and tents. Because this is a fucking music Coachella. Tourneys are just Westeros Coachella. But they actually are. That's what the books have taught me. And he's like, I'm going to sleep under the stars. Like one girl wears the prettiest flower crown? Yeah. Oh my god, it actually is. Shit. Prettiest flower crown. Yeah, and they're all just like doing drugs under the stars. I mean, yeah, everyone's just getting drunk. And maybe Who brought the shade of the evening, bro? Who brought it? Who brought it? The LSD, bro. Who it brought is, it? Bro. It is, for sure. They're all just under the stars, like, man. 
man, Sir Sir Don Darien. <laughs> the purple, the purple lightning. That's definitely. You know what I'm about. Yep. Yeah, I can see that working. Ooh, and the apples. Fossway's making apple yep. bongs. Okay, we've got we've got. That's really good. Uh, Lionel Baratheon, the la- the laughing storm would be like a pretty. It's a good name. It's a good name. It is like, I, and I wonder like who gets to give you these names. You know what I mean? Like when do who I get to choose get, my name? Yeah. I mean, you can see in like a feast for crows, like Jamie every now and then fancying giving himself his own name. He's like, oh yes, Golden Hand the Just. I'm like, no one's fucking calling you that, dude. No one's calling you Golden Hand. He wants to call him that. He wants people to call him that, though. Like, he's trying to project himself into it, you know? Like, oh, I'm honorable. Yeah, and I mean, like, I respect wanting to be a better person. I think it's cute that he's got, like, these these dreams for himself, but also just, like, no one's calling you that. You gotta, like, get dream you know, Gotta go drink with some people. Play it, incept the idea. Like, that's a cool name. You can't just give yourself a nickname. Yeah. Like, that's not how nicknames work. Like, I know this. What are we talking about? <laughs> So Dunk, uh, Dunk goes and he trades to reduce his costs for his armor. Uh, promises to pay the rest after he sells his horses, and he, you know, thinks again. <coughs> he thinks again to himself, "If I can win just one time, I will get this horse back. I can live on the coin left over, maybe even a year. I could take a year off and like go take some service with the Lord after a year." You know, he's, he's. I know the horses, Eliana. I know. I wish that there was more. I wish I could just show your ugly face right now, your sobbing face, but the horses. horses. Yeah. Any, like, mention of selling the horses and you're just, like, a wreck. Because he has enough to get them back and he doesn't get them back. It's wrong. <laughs> he told Sweet Buddy he was going to come back for her. And he lied. How could he? You are no true knight, Dunk. No. Okay. He makes this deal with uh, Steely Pate. You're good. We're just going to blaze past your sadness. Uh, He makes this deal with Steely Pate, and he returns to his camp, you know, thinking, okay, I got that bullshit done, like, got that taken care of, which is pretty pretty expensive. Isn't it like 800 stags or something? Yeah, it's 800 stags. I don't know how economics works in Westeros. It's like (laughs) however they feel at that day. Well, and it's funny because I'm like 800 stags and in my head I'm like trying to equate it. Because like in Harry Potter, uh, J.K. Rowling opens up and she like tells people, oh, like it's this many sickles and this many nuts to make a galleon. You know, like you get kind of the conversion. But I'm guessing stags are just like slightly lesser than dragons, but still expensive. Like they're like tens instead of hundreds. I don't know. We get an idea of what that might entail earlier on, I guess, if he really wanted to do the math, because he was, like, promised, what, 750, or actually, it's a little later on, right? He gets, like, 750 mm-hmm. or something silver stags for, in exchange for Sweetfoot, and then the guy gives him, like, three golden dragons and, like, X number of silvers. Yeah, He's, like, actually, some of this gold, I guess, has been shaved off, so I guess people actually care about the literal weight of the gold and not just the abstract idea yeah not just the abstract idea of money um yeah i guess more gold is worth more than i mean because look at you know yeah. the westerland then yeah that makes sense that does make I sense mean, why don't they just have credit cards man they have fucking magic but like well i mean they do though look at the iron bank not credit cards but i true. mean they do do loans so that's true 
Uh, as we learned, those are bad. <laughs> and you better pay them off or else. Uh, or else they'll follow you through the north with a lot of hats. Oh my god, this is too real. Stop. <laughs> my loads. Okay. Uh, Sir Arlen, he thinks about how Sir Arlen had not ridden a tilt since he had been unhorsed by the Prince of Dragonstone, an attorney at Storm's End, many years before. Um, and Sir Arlen would always used to say, it is not every man who can boast that he broke seven lances against the finest knight in the Seven Kingdoms. I could never hope to do better. Why should I try? Yeah, I mean, Sir Arlen was like, you know, I'm here at the peak. I did it. Time to quit. <laughs> but... Right, like, time to just, like, enjoy my life. You know, like, grow old. Which he did. Some, I mean, like, he made labor. it to either 60 or 50 years, as they say. And how many men could boast of that? How many men could boast of that? I mean, especially when men are just killed at their weddings these days. Yeah. You know? Good thing Sir Arlen was a bachelor to the end. <laughs> Good for him. Independence, hashtag. Buck totally does have, like a feel for Arlen though like yeah he believed yeah. those things yeah. about him but like at the same time he thinks like okay I think his age also has a little bit more to do about tourneys because he's old sure. he's not going to participate in tourneys but he never dared say anything like he let him have his pride and it's interesting to think that Dunk notes that you know like he thinks oh well he might have been lying but he's so defensive later on when the lords talk about him you know that it's interesting that he like at first even though he thinks the truth like he's like hey wait no screw you because <laughs> he's so full of pride because that's the pride that arlen no. has instilled in him you well, know take pride in your work and your people wait are you talking about the moment when he's in front of baylor and makar yeah and he means it kindly like when baylor like says it but yeah okay we'll come back, come back. yeah we'll come okay. back we'll okay, come wait. back we'll okay, come wait. back so Dunk is moving himself, you know, back. He's thinking about Sir Arlen. He's thinking about, you know, uh, his chances fighting, like how he's quick and strong. Uh, he's thinking about that. And all of a sudden, he gets back towards his bushes where his horses were. And he bursts out roaring and cursing because he, like, sees firelight coming through. He's like, who the hell's in my area? And it's Egg. It is Eggin Targaryen, <laughs> the stable boy, the naked stable boy who's no longer... He's cooking a fish. Now he's just referred to as the bald boy. Now he's just the bald boy. Um, and he he basically reveals he rode on the back of a cart and tried to find Dunk. Adorable. It's so cute. It is cute. He's like, you can't make me go. I've had enough of that inn. I don't want to be at that inn. I want to come hang out with you. I want to go squire. I want to watch the tourney. I want, I want to see Coachella. Yeah, pretty much. That's literally what it is. <laughs> uh, I don't blame him. No, not at all. Yeah. And Dunk just like <sighs> he he lets loose too to Dunk. Dunk is like, I'm gonna take you back right now, take you home. And he's like, Well, you'd have to take me back to King's Landing. You'd miss the tourney. And that hits home with Dunk, man. He's like, oh, I know. I'm from Flea Bottom. This little orphan boy is probably from the same place. You know, oh. it's so beautiful. So Dunk latches on because he thinks it's another little orphan boy just like him with no family. Yeah, it's... I don't know, it's just like, you see how much empathy, like, Dunk has for other people in that moment. He's just like, oh, he's just like me. 
I mean, he's not just like you at all. But like the fact no, that he all, would but... like be able to project and see himself in someone else's shoes and understand what that feels like. Um, it's also it's very telling of Dunk's character that he's always thinking. You know, he he sees himself in other people, especially in kids. Mm-hmm. And he sees, like, that lonely orphan kid with no real family that Sir Arlen took a chance on. And Sir Arlen, you know, took a chance on teaching and, like, taking along with him. Like, he could have been a crazy psycho. He could have been Arian or Viserys or Joffrey, like, little fucking shitheads. Like, but Dunk says, you know what? I'm going to take a chance on a kid from a hard place. Because that's what happened to me. You know, like, he thinks that. He thinks, like, oh, people deserve chances. Dunk is inherently good, and he thinks other people are inherently good. He's like, pay it forward. He's a pay it forward kind of guy. Would you say that Steely Pate is a pay it forward kind of guy? From what we see later on, yes. No, no, no. A pay it forward kind of guy? Oh, Did you? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Eh. I got it. I got it. I got it. Yes. Yes. He is. Almost as good as the dragonflies. <laughs> you guys, look at this. We came full circle. You can, call that. you can turn us off now. I mean, we peaked. You know, it's like Sir, we're like Sir Arlen. You know, we, we, we made it. We made it. We broke a couple spears. Yep. This is it for us. And until I'm just kidding. Please keep oh, listening. Yeah, please listening. keep listening. We're only a sixth of the way through this story. He basically, uh, like, Egg went ahead and did everything at camp. Like, he, like, got the camp ready. He caught some fish, groomed the horses. Like, he was, like, he adopted himself. He was, like, I am going to this tourney with this big idiot, whether you like it or not. Like, this is, he's straight up, like, looked at this big hulking dude and was, like, (laughs) he's going in this tourney? I'm going in this tourney. Let's go. It's us now, buddy. Like, he, like, it's such a classic trope. I know. And, like, it's... It, it's so classic. Like, there's nothing... Obviously, George tries to subvert tropes most of the time, but, like, this is a classic. Like, the little kid shows up, and the adult, like, adopts the orphan little kid, but this is where he subverts the trope and changes it, is, like, it's actually the kid with a family adopts the orphan. Yes. But this time it's the orphan who adopts the kid with the family. Yes. Yeah, I mean, exactly. like, everything about, like, their interactions from the way it sorts out in this like rings of tropes like oh ha look at all these misunderstandings and this comedic like they're at odds at the beginning and then oh this kid's so annoying but they grow to love one another like everything about it it truly is adventures with Dunkin' Egg it is and I love it for that it's like a Saturday morning cartoon show it is. Like, but I like, would love to watch it as that. <laughs> yes, actually, that's exactly what I want it to be. I guess it might stop being that, maybe, as it goes on, but, like... I think a lot about, like, Avatar, The Last Airbender, for example. Hmm. And, like... Because they're both how... bald and small children? I mean, yeah, I think about Ang and I think about him that way, but... Moreover, like, I think about how in the beginning it was, like, this softer animated show with adventures and, like, heartwarming lessons. But towards the end, it got more intense. I mean, there were some plot lines in that show that were very intense. Oh, yeah. Um, They went through a lot of shit. There was sacrifice and death. And, I mean, certain shows like that, that's kind of what I see in my head when I think about Dunkin' Egg and see these adventures. So... It would be interesting to see that in animated form. I would love to see these as an animated, like, cartoon Saturday morning show. I guess Dunkin' Egg in some ways is 
is Avatar The Last Airbender and the progression through it. And then A Song of Ice and Fire's Legend of Korra. Yeah. I could see that because that's like it does get darker and more intense. Except like for the part in the second season where we didn't know what we were doing. But the third yeah, well. the third Legend of Korra season is a perfect season. Well, we could just say second season is the fifth season of Game of Thrones. Ooh. Yeah, I see it. Mm. Okay. Uh, so Dunk pretty much like just accepts that egg is there. Like an egg is gonna stay there. That's it. That's, we got eggs. That's like we got eggs. We got a carton, ladies and yeah. gentlemen, of egg. Uh, there's this nice little like part that I love that I'm gonna read because I can, and uh, I have never heard of any Sir Duncan the Tall. Do you know every knight in the Seven Kingdoms, then? The boy looked at him boldly. The good ones. I'm as good as any. After the tourney, they'll all know that. And it's just, like, such a moment between the two, because, again, we know what happens in this story. We know what happens in the end. And Egg is questioning him, saying he knows all the good knights in the kingdom, but he just stumbled across. he does the best knight! I was just gonna say, he just stumbled across the best knight. (laughs) Get out of my head. He did. Ah. Ah. Right? Emotions. Ah. Uh, so many feels. Okay. Um, okay. This also kind of reminds me of... It's in one of the Jamie chapters, and he's talking to Loras about, like, all of the different knights um, and lords of the Kingsguard that are in the White Book. Yeah. And he's all like, oh, do you know X person and X person? And, like, Loras is like, yeah, I know them. And then Jamie's like, but what about this person who like wasn't as great etc absolutely and then like he goes into like and then sir chris cole and lord is like i don't know him and then jamie's like he was the king maker etc and i don't know mm-hmm. it's interesting that like the assertion from egg that like i only know the good ones because you gotta know the good and the bad to know what you're gonna do oh absolutely and that is like and especially with the Exodus and Jamie drops there, like saying to Loris, like, these were all the famous knights of the King's yeah. What about these ones? What about these ones? What about this story? Like, he knows all the lore because, I mean, and and to put it in the way of thinking about Jamie, like, as a little kid, just, like, hearing all the stories of every knight and wanting to be a knight and, like, him idolizing Arthur Dane and just Jamie grew up wanting to be nothing but a knight, you know? to be the knight like dressed in all white and here to save the day and shining in armor and it's really sad to kind of compare the two like of where he becomes and dunk too i mean where dunk ends up yeah i'm me and you are sitting here being all sad like oh he was the truest knight but in his eyes that wasn't the truest knight like lifestyle that he wanted you know mm-hmm. like no he didn't want to go out in a blaze of glory Literally a blaze. Ow. Literally ow. Yeah. Ow. <laughs> Maybe it's not what he wanted, but he wouldn't have it any other way. Maybe. Yeah. Bye-bye. In the end, like, maybe it's not about what he wanted. It's about, because I mean, that's not what being a knight is, I guess. It's about, you know, protecting people. Um, He finally, you know, gives in. Egg is gonna hang out with him he gives him some salt meat and fish or whatever teaches him battle and you know he he gets this plan in his head like this is my new squire i'm gonna teach him how to be the truest knight this is my chance to him 
that's his chance. Like Sir Arlen took a chance on him and he's sitting there going, this is my chance. I am going to make this kid something like this gives me purpose. This gives me purpose. Yeah. And the next they like fall asleep besides the fire and he lays on his back and he's looking at the sky. And I love this symbolism where he thinks about how the stars are everywhere and how thousands and thousands of them are everywhere. And one fell as he was watching a bright green streak that faded and or sorry, that flashed across the black and then was gone. I love that. I just black fires. Is it black fire? Because it's green, right? So it's the reds and the blacks and the greens. Think about it. Yeah. The blacks and greens. Yep. Exactly. Mm Mm-hmm. And he watches a green streak flash across the black and then disappears. Or like, I also just, I don't yep. know. And then like the next line about like a falling star brings luck to him as he said, dunk thought, but the rest of them are all in their pavilions by now. And he's like, and the luck is mine a little like, oh, so cute. Anyways. um, Yeah. <laughs> it is though. I mean, cause he's sitting there thinking about how all of the Lords are all in their pavilions, staring up at silk instead of sky. And he's there watching the stars. It's it's lucky and it's not lucky. Yeah. But yeah, I mean I he's mean, putting himself into this way of life for sure. Like I mean that is exactly what he steps into. And with that green against the black, like as you're pointing <laughs> out, it's just like once again he's putting himself in the midst, in the middle of like all this like Targaryen nonsense. He is. Uh, and it's just like, I mean, that green against the black, it just reminds me of Illyrio's rings, like back and forth, back and forth between the jade and the black and the tourmaline and all that. Um, hmm. And just all the obvious black fire foreshadowing that has popped up in modern Swamp in these books. It's uh, Dunk does end up in the middle of that. And I mean, he ends up fighting Aegon's battles. That's true. You know, the rest of his life. The rest of his life. And I mean, of course, he eventually cha- chooses that. Like when Aegon puts him in the Kingsguard, I mean, obviously he chooses that, but he chose Egg and Egg chose him. It's like a life partnership. Sir Duncan the Tall is about to go enlist in the tourney uh, the next morning, and he finds out that he needs someone to vouch for him. He leaves the keep, and uh, Arian Targaryen shows up and mistakes him for a stable boy and insults him. On one hand, it's kind of like, lol, because that's literally what Dunk mm-hmm. did to Egg. Yeah, absolutely. It's a complete mirror. Yeah. but on Especially the hand, considering, like, yeah. Ball. What? Ball? Wait, what? No, it... it... <laughs> Uh, it has a Targaryen involved. Like, I mean, he just had, like, a Targaryen not telling him who he was pretending to be a uh, stable boy, and then he shows up and gets mistaken for a stable boy by a Targaryen. Yeah. And he's just, like, understandably, I guess, kind of, like, upset about it. But it's a funny mirror. It's a funny mirror. It is a very interesting mirror. After Dunk leaves out, uh, he finds out he can't enter the lists uh, without knowing someone to get into the secret list club, to get into the tourney club. Like, he straight up shows up, but he's like, oh yeah, well, I was under Sir Arlen, and everyone's like, no one knows who Sir Arlen is, dude. Like, who the fuck is Sir Arlen? And he's like, well, he served for, like, Manfred Dondarrion. And they're like, are you sure? Maybe you should ask him. So no one believes him. 
and he leaves like getting told come back like when you have someone who will stand up for you bro like a real rich person like <laughs> which is somebody gatekeeping yep only you can enter our boys club if we deem it let my baby through you know but like <laughs> yeah exactly what are you what what's the matter are you afraid he's gonna beat the shit out of your little skinny looking princess i don't know it's just like i don't even i don't know it's it's absolutely like to some extent the story commenting on classism the things that are, yeah classism the things that are keeping people down like the gates that like keep people from like success opportunity and success yeah, yeah opportunity but like yeah opportunities only being available to certain classes like and to an extent like slightly like it's weird right because like dunk definitely will end up benefiting from it later on but there's like definitely some sort of maybe a commentary on like nepotism etc here and sacrificing to get where you want to be in life and what that brings you yeah I mean, and, like, the prince that was promised, I guess, but, like, you know what else. <laughs> like, I think this is all for, like, Daenerys or Jon Snow or whatever. Whoever. Whatever. Whoever yeah, you want to say. Whatever. Like, pretty boy Jon Snow. Pretty boy Jon. <laughs> Callback. So he leaves pretty much a little bummed. He's kind of like, what the hell am I gonna do? Well, gonna figure it out. On to the rest of my list. And he goes... And he sells his horses. Okay. And he feels like he's betraying an old friend. No, is because he is. He is betraying an old friend. He's betraying Sweetfoot. And he's like... Betraying Chestnut and Sweetfoot. Is it both of them? Keeping thunder. I thought it was just Sweetfoot. Well, Fucking God. Can't. Well, Chestnut was too old to be worth anything. but So I guess, it, no. But he was at least... He was selling Sweetfoot it's kind of sad he goes to like go do that and as he's about to do that the banners of house targaryen show up with a three-headed fierce dragon and a black silk pennant atop a tall staff and he grabs egg's arm he's like who are they and egg is like are you shitting me like egg looks at him like with the weirdest face like really like can't you see the banners dude like targaryens duh I guess the banners weren't fully unfurled in that moment, but also just like, I mean, just look at them. And the King's Guard, like flanking them with their white and gold gleaming armor and their but white I mean, cloak. Uh, on one hand, like you kind of have to wonder, like, is Dunk's perspective on this just a normal perspective? Like, if you mm -hmm. have never been exposed to literally royalty. Mm -hmm. And the banners are not unfurled yet because the wind hasn't blown yet. I mean, like, would you know? Yeah, it, these are just some fancy ass people, and all the fancy ass people are fancy ass people. Like, how'd you know? Like, how much more fancy they are than the other people? Like, you don't give a shit about that. Well, I think there's a certain air, though, to be fair, of True. like the difference between you know, like Sir Manfred Dondarian and like Arian Targaryen. Like, you could definitely see, like, I mean, you see the Kingsguard flanking these people. You see, you know, like, they're in their royal colors, black and red armor, and streaming from their helms. They have, like, ribbons, and, like... Yeah, they roll mad deep. I get it. But, like... They roll mad deep. They do. They do. And, I mean, so he sees the Kingsguard knights, and Lord Ashford and his sons come hurrying out of their keep to meet them. Um, and I love that he sees 
the the girl, the short girl, the maid of Ashford with yellow hair and a round pink face. And he thinks she doesn't seem so fair to me. The puppet girl was prettier. Like totally such an overarching comment on like, she's not so pretty. She isn't even like, that's all knighthood is, this false knighthood of winning the tourney. And this idea to him is so shallow to him. He's just like, I have to go earn this just to like get some money. Yeah. Like I want nothing to do with the pretty maid. He's like, shiite, but yeah, Kinzel. <laughs> She's not Kinzel though. Kinzel yeah. fucks. <laughs> Dunk fucks. Obviously. Dragonflies, they fuck. They fuck. Let's go back to our dragonfly metaphor that's not actually in this story. <laughs> it's just from the time um, I literally saw dragonflies having sex. Uh, um, Arian mistakes Dunk as a stable boy, as we said, which is hysterical because we just had this happen, like with him and Egg. Uh, and I mean, you you read everything Arian's wearing. He's wearing a black cloak bordered in scarlet satin with raiment bright as flame, all reds and yellows and gold, slim and straight as a dirk, only of middling height. He was near Dunk's own age. Curls of silver gold hair framed a face sculpted and imperious. High brow and sharp cheekbones, straight nose, pale, smooth skin without blemish. His eyes were a deep violet color. And he's just like an asshole. Like, all this beautiful description. And he's like straight up just an asshole to dunk. He's just like, hey, you should take care of my horse, stable boy. And he's like, I'm not a stable boy. And he's like, that sounds exactly like what a stable boy would say. Like, Yeah, he's just like, oh, you're too dumb to be a stable boy. And it's like, fuck you, Aaron, just because like you got good skin. Mm-hmm. In, like, your adolescence, whatevs. Yeah, like, not everybody gets my skin. I'm just touching about Yeah, some people have to work for that. Yeah, like, Asha Greyjoy. Yeah, Asha's sitting there, and she's like, maybe I'll relate to this shitty-ass, like, passive-aggressive jerk. Named Christopher Botley, just because we both got acne. God, sorry. I love that you knew exactly, thank you. Yes. Um, Yeah, like... It's so raw, it's so raw. So raw, so raw. A swath tweet through is uh, tweeting the real shit with Feast for Crows right now, mm-hmm. and it's really getting to me. I uh, I caught up today with Sansa's chapter. Finally, I had a really crazy week at work, and I'm mm-hmm. sitting here itching. I'm like, I'm ready to go do Ash's uh, chapter and catch up. Right now, there's a Cersei chapter, so I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. One of my favorite thoughts that Dunk has during any of this is how he thinks about how he has no business speaking to princes, and I'm like, well. Funny you should say that, Duncan the Tall. You have all of the business. You have been speaking to princes longer than you know. Like, so they're like, royalty? I can't talk to royalty. And I'm like, funny story about that. Funny story. You're the uh, top, the Forbes top entrepreneur when it comes to business to speak, speaking with princes. To royalty. Princes. Yeah, yeah, like you've been, you've had a really solid year of speaking to princes yeah. already. Top 30 um, under 30. <laughs> and he thinks about like how beautiful Targaryens are and he, he knows that uh, Prince Baylor was older but that the youth might have been one of his sons and he thinks about Valor and he thinks about uh, all the other princelings God the insult well. even thinking that Arian Targaryen is one of right. Prince sons God okay sorry no absolutely like Baylor no he could never birth such an awful thing <sighs> like raise some fool like that. God, like Makar, Arian? Yeah, Makar got so lucky that he had egg. 
Yeah, very lucky that he had Egg, who almost ruined the universe. You're right. Yeah, but I mean, like, okay. Make our, make our, like, oh, you guys can't see. I, I have hand motions. Make our here. Baylor here, you know? Yeah, no, yeah, there's, like, Makar is way lower in the hand motion scale than Baylor. Like, Baylor is just, like, top tier, and, like, Makar is just, like, like, Baylor is Fiji water, and Makar is toilet water. I mean, yeah, like, you, it's still water, you know, you, like, need it and shit, but, like, Baylor, go. No. Yeah, exactly, like, I mean, if you really need water, then, yeah, I guess toilet water's okay, but I'd rather go for the Fiji. Yeah, dude. Uh, anyway. There's an awkward... So that awkward scene's done, and he goes to go back. He finds the Master of Horse looking for him to sell his palfrey. To sell <laughs> Sweetfoot, who put the pal in palfrey. And the guy's like, fuck that horse. My Lord of Asher doesn't need her. Take her to town. And he, like, goes to go freaking, you know, take take that he leaves the stable and he uh he sees the caption of the guard and he sees the king's guard in their white armor their snowy cloaks and he introduces himself respectfully out of mostly out of respect um he gets a well met from roland crake hall and uh sir donald of duskendale which again really cool nods because you're looking at like Crake Hall, one of the first really big references we get for Crake Hall is Walder Frey marrying a Crake Hall. Oh, yeah. And, like, Catelyn. Yeah, Catelyn thinking about, you know, like, how uh, the Crake Hall line had seemed to be pretty robust as far as birthing for while well, she's thinking about Rob and politically about his uh, joining a Frey. And then thinking of Sir Donald of Duskendale, which we, as we both know, you know, the defiance of Duskendale was such a big point for the Targaryen dynasty right before it fell yeah yeah the duskendale was just like i mean it was so a huge 79? Like, what 77 was that 277 when it occurred yeah i don't know you know what uh wait the the fall of duskendale or the defiance in general wasn't or that the defiance you know i have this great thing called the internet and i'm gonna look it up 277 oh yeah did it cool i was okay cool so 277 um i mean that was not far off you're looking at you know like 65 years from now uh the defiance of duskendale happened so i mean the coolest thing about these books is also putting all this history in order in your head and like pushing things saying oh that's funny because the defiance of duskendale in the fall happened 65 years later you know (laughs) like you can kind of say like oh interesting because we're close but we're not close i got it i get it i get it (laughs) i uh so we get some like exposition on those two Kingsguard, and he thinks about the seven champions of the Kingsguard. They're the most puissant warriors in all the seven kingdoms, except for maybe the crown prince Baylor breaks for himself. He asks them, you know, are you entering the list? And it's kind of like this, like you were saying with Jamie earlier, it's like this big moment of he's like, oh wow, the Knights of the Kingsguard. Like, ooh, you know, like this is my moment. I'm meeting a Knight of the Kingsguard. There's I mean, so these many. are the headliners at Coachella. This is fucking Solange. <laughs> Right? It's a Solange Knowles. It's a Solange. It's just really cool for Dunk to meet them when he's all about, you know, like, he thinks that's so cool. He's like, oh man, like, they're real knights. And 
he's starting to freak out you know like he's starting to be like what's gonna happen like what a prince is in the tourney am i even gonna be allowed to ride against him could i challenge someone so highborn like i'm from flea bottom like this is a mess this is just bad just goes anxiously to sell Sweetfoot. i'm sorry we'll, we'll glaze past it and he gets 300 silvers and he wanted 3000 but they settled at 750 silvers so he got some silver for her, uh and he felt like crap about it yeah, and if you really wanted to, you could examine it to understand, like, the, uh, I guess, exchange rates between silvers, coppers, and gold in Westerosi currency, but, like, we're not doing that. No, that's so much. I don't even know how our currency works these days. Shit. Like, here's three shekel. Can I have a burger? <laughs> I mean, you shave off you shave off a corner of a dollar bill, and then you, like, Go back to the man. You're like, sir, this is not a full dollar bill. Give me a few pennies in exchange. That's how it works, right? I mean, technically, you can't sell. You know, you can't use a dollar if it's ripped. That's true. So. I, I mean, like, I've never had someone not, but... Yeah, I've yeah. definitely used ripped dollar bills, because this Money. is the real world. This yeah, is the real broke. world, y'all. We out here and we broke. Yep. He tells Sweetfoot, if I win, I'll come back and buy you again. I promise. <laughs> Sorry. Eliana can tell everyone what a liar Duncan the Tall is. Eliana, take the floor. I'm I'm sorry. I like he said that and I was like, he's gonna fucking come back for Sweetfoot. How could he say that and not come back for her? He loves her and then he didn't. What if like maybe he did and we just don't know about it? Maybe it was Okay, no? that's my like okay. hope for later books. Like not books, like novellas. These ain't books, I guess. Um, but like that horse has probably been sold to someone else by now. Why would you say this? Probably dead. Why would you say this? The horse is probably dead, Eliana. Why are you Sweetfoot is dead, just like your dream. I've done nothing wrong ever in your life. Uh, No, I've done many things. He leaves some extra. To to be fair, Dunk leaves some extra money there to buy Sweetfoot some oats and an apple. Okay. So yeah, he gave up. Yeah, it's like sad. He's like. Give her this so she doesn't know that I'm leaving her. It's like, ugh. Yeah, that is kind of depressing. You're right. We'll move on. It's so sad. He he thinks to himself, something really important I do want to touch on, that he thinks to himself, he thinks, what's going to happen when this money's gone? Sell thunder? Mm -hmm. And then he, like, thinks about how that road ends in beggary or outlawry, and then he just thinks that this chance for this tournament will never come again. I must risk all. And that is, like, his moment that is yeah. his like that is his uh hamilton i'm not throwing away my shot like it really is though it is it's as big i want this is like the overarching like out of the, all the books he must risk all if he doesn't then it's like all for naught it's just just continuing to sell his friends yeah. by his friends i mean the horses <laughs> well to be fair he didn't have any other friends he had like egg and horses so i'll give you that okay, the horses are his friends it's a dead-end road but i mean like oh. he's a, he's he's a big boy yeah literally he's literally big he's literally so big he's like closer to seven feet tall i mean it. he's so big he passed it on to brienne and like brienne like does great i mean she just like threw that man off his horse and was like i'm a, i'm gonna pummel this man i'm like all right and she oh did. and there's a nice little parallel too um for that i must risk all no chance no choice <gasps> yes uh uh yeah especially yeah. later on though like it really just comes forth but like the idea of like having to do it and it's it's good because at least in this scene we see that there is a temptation for dunk like we see that there is another road that he could choose to go after yet despite having that choice he the better choice 
Yeah, he chooses the road less followed for the hedge knight, so to speak. Maybe. I assume this is the road that, that they mostly follow and then hope well, it doesn't end bigger or outlawry. I, I wouldn't say that. I'd say he chooses the lo- the road less followed, which to be fair, he does get, I mean, that's privileged to be fair because like he doesn't, he gets that chance. Most people don't get that chance yeah. to just be accepted into a household, like somehow survive a crazy ass tourney against all these knights and be accepted into a household that like, is rich as hell, royal as hell, and be like, all right, like, you know, just, he somehow got really effing lucky, because that's not the road that most hedge knights get to go down. That's true. Uh, So after he sells the horses, which are awful, and I get it, you're very upset, drink your whiskey, he does get to see his baby girl, Tansel, and does throw her some coppers. He threw her two coppers, and says one for last night, and she caught, yep, she caught it in the air. Yeah. And threw him back a smile as sweet as any he had ever seen. I like the way that's yeah. phrased. That's that's very clever. She caught it and she threw it. Okay. It's cute. Mm-hmm. Good job, George R. R. Martin. I mm-hmm. see you. The exchange is so nice. I do love that. I love that. Yeah. Just that smart exchange of her throwing him a smile and him throwing her coppers. Uh, yeah. And he even says, is it me she smiles at or is it my coins? He had never been with a girl and they made him nervous. <laughs> adolescence making teenagers so I hard it. i love it he like went to a brothel and he tried to like sir arlen takes him to a brothel and tries to make him a man he'd been drunk yeah, he does it he says he's gonna take him to a brothel and then he's like <clears throat> too drunk to remember that i was gonna do that for you lol yep and he wasn't he didn't want a whore anyways he didn't think you know if he couldn't have a highborn maiden like a proper knight he wanted one who at least liked him more than his silver which so like there again you see dunk has this ideal of what a knight should be and what knights should do. They should mate with highborn ladies and maidens and he should, you know, just be chivalrous and all this. It's just the stuff that he grew up thinking and it's almost in a way very like Sansa Stark line of thinking like early Aegot and Clash. Like, you know, just songs of ladies and knights and what it's supposed to be like. And unfortunately, as we get through this story, we know that's not what it's like, but <laughs> yeah, we know that life is not a song. Mm-hmm. But he's like all like, "Hey, you want a sausage? Pork sausage?" Which I'm sitting here like, "Whoa!" I'm like, "Dude, too forward, too forward." Yeah, like absolutely, yeah. like social cues, dunk social cues. Yeah, and I know he's just like awkward. I th- I I like this like detail about him making out with some tavern girl. I'm like, all right, Duncan, get it. He just needs to believe him. He needs a little confidence. I, I yeah. mean, okay, so interruption for us here. Uh, somebody from uh, Twitter, a really good friend of mine, Saren, uh, at A-E-D-E-N-K-A, she is constantly tweeting about Dunk's dick. Uh, that's just her. <laughs> and she's constantly just thinking about Dunk fucking, so good for her. She's real... She's got those nice thirsty tweets about, like, Dunk's dick, so good for her. I did. I, if there's a brand, she has that as a brand like that is a brand <laughs> tweeting about a dunk's dick brand tweeting about dunk's dick so good for her because like yeah i mean now i'm thinking about it are you thinking about dunk's dick i can be <laughs> i can't be i can always think about dunk's dick no i mean like okay it's weird in the hedge night because he's like 16 or 17 yeah but i mean like old enough to bleed but- chloe <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> uh okay i don't know uh, old enough to bang dunk 
that's where I was <laughs> going with that. <laughs> anyway, so Dunt kind of goes through Lord Ashford's area. He sees the carpenters whitewashing the waist-high wooden barriers, separating the jousters. He's watching the tourney come to life. He's watching everything raised, uh, the canopies that shield the lords and ladies from the sun and rain, and the benches and the chairs erected at the center of the platform for Ashford and the fair maid and the visiting princes. He's watching he the, the operations behind putting together Coachella and all the speakers. Yeah, he's watching Coachella being raised. Yep. Uh, he's watching people take their turns, sending polearms, spinning, striking splinter shields, uh, practicing at the Quintain. He's just seeing it's all coming together. You know, like it's day zero of Coachella. It's all coming together. Um, That's actually what it is. He's he's watching uh, the Fossaways battle. And this is where I know you love this. These are your people. So you might want to yes. go through this. Okay. The Fossaways actually are one of my favorite houses along with the plums. I think I just like fruit houses. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so here we like get the... Um, a lot of the ideas that the hedge knight is playing with around, like, as you can see, like, with Dunk, around, like, what it means to be a true knight, what it means to be, like, chivalrous, etc. And, like, you see that in the Fossways, and you have Stefan Fossway um, against Raymond Fossway, and you're like, damn, Raymond Fossway, like, seems like he has no idea what he's doing, and he's super young, but, like, Stefan Fossway, you're kind of like, dude, chill, like, don't be so mean to your cousin. It's all gonna bloom and dare I say, bear fruit by the end oh of this. God. I'm no. sorry. I'm sorry. No, sorry. Not sorry. No, I'm sorry. I'm not no. sorry. No, it's no, not going to no. bear fruit by the end of the story. It is, though. No, it is. Uh, it may even bear different colored fruit, may but, I add. What? Yeah, and I just like that the Raymond Fosway, like chases after Dunk, and he's just like, so nice. He's a nice boy. He's very... I get the Podrick Payne vibes hard. I feel like he is, like, the most Sir My Lady Podrick Payne. I can see it. I, I mean, everyone's got, like... We all have a little Podrick Payne inside of us. But, like, he's really... Whoa! He's, like, ten. I don't know if I'm, like, in the book. Yeah, he's ten. He's ten. He's ten. That's not Shout out to Game of Thrones for sexualizing Podrick Payne. Okay, they did uh, that to everyone, especially because, like, Aswath tweet through today was, like, going over that Cersei chapter. I'm like, Tommen's a small boy. Leave him the fuck alone, everyone. Just like He's let so him... chubby and cute. Let him be. Let him live. He's just a child. Everyone just, like, let Tommen be a child and just, like, let him be a child and stop being fucking Let weird. him hang out with the cats and not eat meat. Like, I don't Everyone, know what else yeah. to tell you. Everyone's, like, really being weird. I'm just, like, stop being weird about Tommen. And, like, he's just chubby and small. He's, like, I don't know. He just, like, hasn't even gone through adolescence and just, like, let him be a child. Anyways. And you know he's not even gonna get to. Like, he's just gonna die. I mean, yes, I guess I kind of know that, but I just still want to know that. Yeah, well, you know, that's like... a baby. Because he is a baby. Just let him be a baby. Anyways. Oh, absolutely. The most baby of all. God. Uh, <laughs> so, Anyways. he ends up, uh, we enter Ashford Castle because Dunk has to go after he meets the Fossaways, he's chatting. He's all like, yeah, I gotta go sign up. Uh, and oh, also, Stefan is totally like, let's fight. Let's let's do some uh, yeah. practice fighting. Eh? 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 It's a good thing that he said no. 
Yeah, because he would not have done okay at that. Like, he would have broken his hand or a knee and gotten him right out of the jousts already. Like, he wouldn't yeah. have been able to perform. Yeah. He was trying to steal his sick beats. Oh my god, you're right. That is exactly what... Stefan was like, show me your set. And Deb would have shown him his set. And then Stefan would have taken it and been like, cool, thanks for letting me copy your homework. Dunk, like, actually is up there and he's, like, really, like, on his fucking beat pad and doing shit live and, like, DJing live. And Stefan... Stefan's pre-recorded all his stuff. Yeah, I don't... Uh, I mean, That's how like, my AU Stephen, is going so far. Stefan is such... <laughs> Stefan is such an opportunist, too, is, like, the other thing. Like, uh, obviously, as we get to the end, we'll know uh, more there about that. But, like, he, like, you could tell. He's just slimy. He is. He's a and slimy then, apple. You're, like, faked out, because, like, for, like, a minute, you're, like, Stefan's eye. And then he ain't. Yeah, pretty much. So he, like, gets advice from Raymond. Raymond's all like, hey, like, don't fight my cousin because he's an asshole. And he's like, well, thanks, I almost fought your cousin. And he kind of, like, that's where you notice. You're like, oh, Padraig Payne is nice. I mean, Raymond Fastaway is a nice boy. Uh, And he goes off. And our next big scene that we really get to is... uh, he is back trying to kind of get into the tourney. He still hasn't still hasn't like gotten into the tourney. He's like, I still haven't signed up and the tourney is like tomorrow. And no one says they know me. Uh I just need to win once. Like he's just like facing this bridge of getting there. And he just needs someone to vouch for him. He wants to be a hero. He wants to be Simeon Star-Eyes, a noble Serwin of the Mirror Shield, Prince Aemon the Dragon Knight, Ryan Wed- Redwine, like Florian the Fool. He is just like, I am Duncan the Tall. Like, I'm Dunk of Fleabottom or Duncan the Tall. Like, let me have my moment. Let me have my song that will be sung of me. And uh, he checks back at the site. Egg has taken care of the site. And he has new armor, and he's just, he's figuring out what he's going to do. He's like, all right, I'm going to go to the castle, and I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to make them be okay with me. Like, I am going to find someone to vouch for me, and I am going to make them put me on the list, you know? I just, yeah, it's all that, and then it's just like that, what was it, like Manfred Dondarian just like, didn't he's an even, asshole. He's an asshole. He like didn't remember, it. and it's just such a rude awakening for Dunk and everyone. I guess kind of in the story. Hey, to be fair, uh, I know a couple times where a Don Darian hasn't been very good at remembering things, like his wife or betrothed. True. Are you my mother, Thoros? Yeah, I mean, if, like, the Dondarians can't even remember who their fucking mother is, like, how can you expect them to remember a knight <laughs> who, like, served for them? <laughs> uh, and he just, he goes through and he gives him, like, this nice history of, like, Sir Arlen served your lord father, sir, like, I remember you, like, he burned the Vulture King out of the Red Mountains. And he's like, I literally don't know him or you. Yeah. And my father took 800 knights and... 4,000 footmen in the mountains. I can't be expected to remember all of them. And this is where... I'm like, you, you haven't even died once. Yes, I expect it. Okay, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you haven't even died. Uh, the other thing is, like, 
look at the contrast of Sir Arlen telling Dunk that every single banner is important to remember. Every single sigil, like, remember them. All this heraldry, you need to know it by heart. It is so important to remember every single person and who they are in their story. And then you meet this high lord, and he's like, "Eh, don't fucking know who that guy is. Yeah, and he doesn't And Dunk, like, doesn't understand. He's like, how could... Lord Arlen took, like, injury in your service. Like, how could you not remember a man who took an injury in service to you? Yeah, and that, like, affected the rest of his life, and he just didn't care. It's like, again, the the High Lords, as they play their Game of Thrones, man, like, um, none of this matters to them, but to the small folk, it's their everything. Like, for a hedge knight that's trying to find a life and trying to forge a path into the world, like, this is everything. Losing a horse is everything. Like, being defeated in the tilts is everything. Like, that is, like, his whole life lost. Where this man could blink and, like, lose a tilt and he'd be fine. I guess part of the significance of this scene is that, like, soon afterwards... Well, right after this scene, he goes back to the castle to tell the steward, Yeah, uh, you know, like, I couldn't find anyone. And that's when he ends up walking in where he shouldn't have on the royals kind of talking with Lord Ashford and a dozen other men. Okay, so I'm not skipping more that much. No, you're correctly, like, right there. Yeah, it's such an important scene because by setting up how Sir Manfred Dondarrion deals with it, we get such a contrast with the way that, like, Baylor Breakspear deals with it. Like, they weren't even in war. Like, their lives weren't necessarily in jeopardy. But he remembers that he broke spears with Sir Arlen of Pennytree. And, like, not even that. He just doesn't seem annoyed at all to deal with. Yeah, where Manfred is, like, annoyed and, like, get this guy out of here. Baylor, Dunk shows up and Baylor, like, says, like, no, no, like, let him speak. Why are you here? Like, I I know who you're talking about. I do remember. Yeah, and he, like, gives him, like, one question to prove it, which is, like, who is the Grey Lion? He's like, Mm -hmm. oh, yes, Sir Damon Lannister. Well, and so, I mean, he goes to the Great Hall, and something that I also love is... Right before this, Egg said, do I have to go in the castle? And Dunk thinks, oh, this boy just has never had to deal with royals before. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What a sweetie. And it's like, no, lol, he just hates his family. (laughs) He hates his family and he doesn't want them to recognize him because he's busy running away. Which comes back at the end of that scene, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And there's little hints, and that's what's so funny is, like, Dunk is so enveloped and everything around him he doesn't even realize what's happening right below his nose he really like gets himself right into a trap without even knowing it (laughs) poor dunk in ashford inside the keep i mean he just hears he walks in and he's hearing about darren and Aegon going missing yeah and he doesn't he is so focused on his own situation that he doesn't even know like he's like what what are you talking about well like I mean, in his defense, if you're a normal person, why would you even put those two things together? You'd be like, aw, damn, the royal princes are right. missing. Oh, look, it's my stable boy from the inn who is naked. Maker is sitting there talking about how, like, he hopes his children would outshine Baylor's, like, during the tilts, you know? he it, It's just open mouth just talking about it. It's interesting because from Dunk's perspective, how you get it, you just see a bunch of, like, silver-haired people talking about a bunch of crap, and he doesn't except know who's Except for Baylor. Who. Yeah, exactly, except for Baylor, who has the nice, not fully 
Targaryen look there. But he just sees a bunch of dragon lords standing around talking. He doesn't know what any of this means. He's like, Darren's doing what? Sir Roland's doing what? Who's Aegon? Who, Arian? Oh, okay. Like, he's like, I don't know what's happening. He's like, GLHF with your kids, dude. It's like, got caught by the high waters. Lol, lol, lol. One of them is in my camp, but I don't know that. It's fine. <laughs> and the other one's drunk. I mean, you know, Makar kind of gets his wish in some ways. Like, his kids totally outshine Baylor's in the, like, sense of what it means to be part of a story and part of the gossips, I guess. No, it, it's true. I mean, he does get his wish at, you know, also at the expense of, yeah, the price. Yeah. Look at the expense, obviously. But, and at that point, I guess it doesn't matter. And he, I mean, even when he's remorseful at the end of the story to Dunk, you kind of get that gist too, to be fair. I mean, but Dunk just, like, walks in on them, and they're like, ah, like, who are you? And they're about to get, like, asshole-ish. Like, they're just being jerks, like, get this guy out of here. And Baylor yeah. immediately just, like, calms it down and is like, hey, chill, chill out. Bro. Yeah. Like, we had the same chill. Thought. Like, it's okay. Yeah, exactly. Because he's like, dude, it's not a big deal. And, like, the royals get so, like, look at Cersei and what a bitch she can be. Like, she gets so wrapped up in, oh, well, she's listening, so she should die. And it's like, whoa, like, how about we take this, like, a step at a time. Let's crawl before we walk. Like, not just kill a bitch for looking at you. Like, maybe. Yeah. Maybe let's hear them. And then it's like, oh, that wasn't so bad. That's great. Come join the list. You're a person. And, like, it ends. And it just, like, ends so great. He's just like, oh, wait. Get your own logo. Yeah, that's, like, literally the only thing is, like, Baylor's like, okay, well, since you knew who the Grey Lion was, because he asks him, you know, like, okay, well, tell me who it was, and he asks the true name, and for a moment, Dunk is like, oh, I don't remember, and then he's like, Sir Damon Lannister, the Grey Lion, Lord of Casterly Rock, and Baylor says, congratulations, like, you did it, and the coolest, like, line from Baylor, I make it a practice to learn all I can of my foes. Um, no! Uh, totally paralleling Sir Arlen, like having Dunk learn all of that heraldry too. He's the best. Uh, yeah, I know. Regardless of who his foe is and where they come from, deciding that his foe is worthy of even being learned about does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, something out of this that I always found interesting was that Baylor advises Dunk to change his sigil because only trueborn sons may inherit a yeah. knight's arms. And I always wonder if that's going to be a nod to something in the future, mm -hmm. like to Jon Snow or something. Oh. You know, uh, that only trueborn sons can inherit the arms. Like, maybe because Jon's a bastard in his people's eyes when he, like, does his inverted sigil, you know, for a bastard sigil, possibly... Uh, even something like that. I don't know if it'll come back for that, but I've always wondered if that specific line was put into the story for that reason or for a reason in the future. Because, I mean, that I is a rule. It, yeah. That's a rule of knighthood. No, so I, it's going to come into play. Not just knighthood, just in general, like heraldry. And I think it must because I haven't yeah. seen... So far as I can remember, I haven't really like seen it play a role. Like, it might be hinted at to an extent with like oh, X person is now long waters instead of waters, or, like, I don't know, variation on name. Yeah. Um. The 
only other person I can think of of having like a notable change in heraldry is like of course Stannis, but he's obviously trueborn. So I mean, it yeah. must it must be significant yeah. in some way. Maybe Tiwa or Ados looking for that trueborn son's inheriting the arms, you know. Uh, and having John do like an inverted sigil, and then him finding out he's a Targ. Oh man, and changing it to his freaking Targ sigil. Or or the winged wolf. I don't know. I was gonna say the winged wolf. I was thinking that too. Yeah. Who oh knows? my god, twinsies. All right. Twinsies. Yeah. He's totally accepted. They accept him. They're like, no harm. Like you're in. Absolutely. Like you're totally uh, in for this tourney. Everyone hates you except Baylor. Like congrats. <laughs> Okay, but, like, Baylor's the only one that fucking matters. Oh, absolutely. Until, like, you know, he doesn't. He Well, he's the best. No, he was the best, yes, but... R.I.P. Uh, rip. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert, rip. He gets told to, uh, that he's, you know, he needs to change his sigil, obviously, as we just discussed. And then he leaves, uh, he goes on to go kind of find eggs sitting around. At the puppet show, watching the puppet show. And he's watching, you know, watching the lad watch the show. And they're doing Florian and John Quill. And the fat Dornish woman is making Florian, I know, Florian in his armor made of motley. The tall girl is holding John Quill's strings. Oh my god. You are no knight, she was saying as the puppet's mouth moved up and down. I know you. You are Florian the Fool. I am, my lady, the other puppet answered, kneeling. As great a fool as ever lived, and as great a knight as well. A fool and a knight? Asked John Quill. I have never heard of such a thing. Which, holy, holy, this is all, like, overarching. Uh, sweet lady, said Florian. All men are fools, and all men are knights where women are concerned. Ain't that the truth? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> he stops to himself at the end, and he asks her if she could paint him a shield. A sigil. A logo for his... A logo. Suit. A logo. Yeah. Yeah. I do want to say that, like, when I was first rereading this, I was like, what is with this play? What is this with this weird-ass play where the dragon gets its head cut off? But anyways, um, maybe we come back to that. Sorry. My bad. Oh, no. No, absolutely. That's fine. I mean, it is kind of a weird-ass play. Like It's a weird fucking play. And I mean, eventually we're about to get there in the next few scenes, obviously, but like, it is kind of like a, not to be an asshole, but like we were saying earlier, like Sir Arlen wouldn't have stopped for that. He wouldn't have stopped to save that because it's like, oh, well, freedom of speech and all, but you probably shouldn't have been doing that play when there are a bunch weird of play. There's like some weird subtext anyways. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he like comes and he's like, make me please this logo. And you can see, like, he's like the old man, like sunsets, and everything that he mentions in terms of what he wants on his sigil is just a huge callback to like the absolute beginning of the short story and, uh, you know, where he buried Sir Arlen. I may not be able to bear Sir Arlen's exact arms, but I'm gonna and bear his him. legacy. Yeah. Yes, his legacy. No, that's a really good point. I mean, uh, I know I've been on the Hamilton kick today with references, but it, they say, what's a legacy? In Hamilton, they literally have a line where legacy, what's a legacy? It's planting seeds in a garden that you never see. Yes, it's also Sir Arlen. It is. It absolutely is. And he 
takes what Dunk takes what he's embodied as like his new home, the elm tree and the grove that he's like living in for this knighthood for this big, uh, you know, like I must win all like moment. He's taken this as his home and he's taking this as his sigil and it's the sunset that he sees as he lays his weary head down, and it's you know the the elm that he's leaning under to take shelter from this weary world and it's the shooting star that he saw yeah he's like making his own luck Mm -hmm. like trying to build on he understands that it's not just his own luck he's building on something that like someone else has built for him yeah this is what i mean he's taking what sir arlen left him which there wasn't as much physical things from his mentor leaving him but it's about the journey and the friends he made on the way Yes, that's the real treasure, as I've learned. (laughs) So Dunk embodies Sir Arlen on his sigil. He embodies what being a true knight meant to him that Sir Arlen had taught him. He wants the field to be the color of sunset and the device to be an elm tree, like the one by the pool with a brown trunk and green branches. And a shooting star above. And Tanzel nods and says, give me the shield. I'll paint it this very night and have it back to you on the morrow. And he says, I am called Sir Duncan the Tall. And she said, I'm Tansel. Tansel too tall, the boys used to call me. You're not too tall, Dunk blurted out. You're just right for... He realized what he had been about to say and blushed furiously. For, Tanzel said, cocking her head inquisitively, puppets. He finished lamely. <laughs> it's so sad and cute, but also I think I think Doug should have said it. I think he should have said, said it. Not too tall for said, me. Yeah. I think he should have done it. He should have gotten all in. Because Doug fucks. I mean, also, I would have been like, damn boy, that's cheesy, but I would have been like, respect. You said it. Well, game recognize game. That's, oh my god, I actually just dropped that line last night. <laughs> um... <laughs> Game always recognizes Game yeah. Dog, especially Tansal the Tall and Duncan the Tall. Like that's an OTP. Yeah. That is what the kids are calling a one true pairing, my friend. I like understand that it's not deep down inside, but I could like see the seeds for it, and I was like, he should have said it. <sighs> you natures, you live, you learn. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so we end up at the first day of the tourney. We made it to the tourney. We did First it! Off, oh my god, we made it. High five! Uh, for those listening, whatever you're hearing is going to be very pared down from whatever we've done. We have been rambling for hours, but it's really fun. I'm having a good time rambling. I'm having a great time. I got, I'm here. I'm drinking. I'm, I'm talking to my girl. It's all good. <laughs> I'm talking to my girl. I'm getting yeah. a little rowdy. Getting a little drunk. Yeah. Going to attorney. I guess. Going to Coachella. Um... So, tourney day one. The tourney uh, has five pre-chosen champions uh, that are representing the Lady of Ashford. The right of first challenge would go to knights of higher birth and greater renown, to sons and lords and champions from other tourneys. Uh, and Ag just chatters through his breakfast with Dunk. They're just chatting, chattering, chattering, chattering. And he's talking about all of the knights in the kingdom. And Dunk says he's not japing when he says he knew every good knight in the kingdoms. Uh, He found it humbling to even listen to the words of the scrawny orphan boy, which is so funny because as we both know, 
Egg knows all this stuff because he's highborn. He knows all this because he lives in this castle with these dragons. Yeah. As you were talking about earlier, you know, he values, like, regardless where it comes from, where the knowledge is, like, where the knowledge is sources and, like, yeah. understands that he can use it. He respects people. Like, he's not, it doesn't matter if it's highborn or lowborn. I mean, this is knowledge that he can use and he respects that. And he values research. Absolutely. Good job, he values. Dunk. What a guy. What a, what a guy. What a brave guy. The yeah. meadow is just like churning. It's full of people. Uh, it's totally first day of Coachella, you know, like everyone's filing in, in the finest. They're sitting in the sunlight. He recognizes Prince Baylor at Lord Ashford's side. Uh, he, he doesn't, he even remarks to Egg, he says, you know, he doesn't really even look like a Targaryen. And Egg yeah. tells him, oh, well, he looks like his Dornish princess mother. Um, <laughs> and you're like, how do you fucking know that? Who knows what the Dornish princess even looks like? No one knows. Egg does. Egg does. I, <laughs> he seen it. Don't know how. Don't know how Egg knows that. I mean, you know, he's just a, just a quaint orphan boy. He's just a bald child. Just a bald, naked, muddy child. Sir mm. Egg, the bald and the bold. <laughs> the bald and the bold. Is that a soap opera? Yeah. Oh man. Only I about Egg. It. Only about Egg played various characters, all with himself. I love it. Ugh. Egg and him are just, like, watching champions raising their pavilions, and he's seeing, like, Lord Ashford's sons, uh, which he's starting to weigh his odds against all these warriors and fighters and knights and lords, and he sees Leo Tyrell, uh, which that's actually, you know, he served at Highgarden with Sir Arlen beforehand uh, a long time ago. And he doesn't even barely remember. I wonder how old he was during that year. But Leo Longthorn, peerless jouster. And uh, he thinks about Lord Leo, the gray beard and the green and gold. Um, and Egg is just like giving his counsel like constantly to him. And he's just like, shut up. I don't need your mouth right now, kid. But I do. But yeah. They go through. There's Humphrey Harding. There's Sir Donald of Duskendale was overthrown by him. Uh, Lords Aaron and Royce were overthrown by him. And the very last pavilion is Prince Valor's. And it's a black silk, which that has to be hot as shit to sit in. Uh, yeah, that's actually true. Well, or is... Yes and no. Yes and no. I mean... Uh, Valor's the king's grandson and son to Baylor Breakspeare. And he thinks... He's watching all these people and all these lords. And he thinks to himself, like, Ugh, could I... I don't know if I could... I could fight a prince, you know? Like, I could get in trouble for injuring a prince. And I would like to point out the notes that I have written here, because it just says, I have a note written that just says, he thinks he could take Baylor's eldest son, Valor, but worries he would get in trouble for injuring a prince. And then the lol. next line just says, lol. Because <laughs> we all know what happened. <laughs> lol. Here's a good one. Midnight Toast, uh, Rad and Plaid on Twitter. What a good name. Yeah, I love that. Kind of like catchy, like Rad and Plaid. Feels very uh, very grunge, like so 90s. Asked us, do you think Valor would have been skilled as a warrior, politician, and king as his father? Um, I don't. He seemed too... Same? Like, yeah, very vain. Very kind of, like, lackadaisical. Yeah, I mean, I feel the same. Like, he seems a little more vain. He seems like 
a little he seems more haughty than like Baylor and less like oh yeah let's hear what you have to say uh rando knight um but at the same time like Baylor is so much younger <laughs> I am an optimist and like to believe that sometimes people change for the better and like Baylor could have grown to become a man more like Baylor but could have but I guess I don't know. in the end the what ifs don't matter because they he didn't did. <laughs> because he did. He did. He did. Historically, they all die, is what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah. Everybody did. True. Uh, and, I mean, the lists go on. Uh, you know, there's all these people fall. He's watching just intensely. I mean, the earth is just, like, rumbling between, beneath his feet. Egg is just, like, waving happily on top of his... Yes. He feels the earth move under his feet. I think that's the inspiration for this novel. Uh, Egg is on his shoulders, like, waving his skinny little arms around, like, watching. Uh, Dunk's watching, you know, people fight. And the fucking worst, Arian Brightflame, second son of Maker, challenges Sir Humphrey Harding. This is where shit hit the fan, dude. This is where... This is where it all went down, right here. This is where the whole entire tourney just, like, changes. And he just, like, he impales Humphrey's horse. Yeah. Okay. Also, just want to add, may you fall on your horse, Harry the Arse, thought Sansa. Yes. And it, like, just it... Humphrey Harding parallels real quick. <laughs> it's a callback to that, but it's also a callback to, like... The squire to John Aaron. Remember? Oh, Vardis. Vardis. Yeah, like, Ned was going to question him, but then all of a sudden, he dies in the dirty. Yeah. Conveniently for everyone. And I definitely, it, like, feels like a callback to that. Oh, absolutely. I think uh, a veil, up-jumped veil knight, you know, participating in attorney, is totally a a very common thing for stories of the Vale. That seems to be a thing. Varus falling, Humphrey Harding, uh, we know his fate, but right now it's not looking so good. The dying horse breaks Humphrey's leg, and uh, Lord Ashford awards Arian's horse to Humphrey and declares the injured knight the victor, and Egg sits there and he's all bitter, and he's like, that was done on purpose. Uh, and he's still not revealed, like, obviously, to be Egg, but he's sitting there like, oh, he did that on purpose. Like it's like obviously he knows the way that's going yeah. on. But uh Arian definitely does it on purpose and it's definitely an asshole on purpose. And like it's pretty shitty. That's pretty shitty, man. Like you don't just like kill someone's horse so that they fall. Like it's just like you look at Loris playing the trick on Gregor. With the horses in heat and like using that to his his advantage to you know fuck Gregor over, and Gregor slashing the horse to death like that's it's not seen like that's not something that happens at tourneys it's gross and bad like that's bad etiquette bad tourney etiquette yeah and I mean it's an interesting um, sort of contrast too just because like uh, the next time well not the next time actually the first time we see it occurring is from Sir Gregor Clegane and you know if Sandor Clegane is descended from Dunk so is mm-hmm. Gregor and the next time someone does something shitty like that it's one of Dunk's like 
descendants. Yeah, that is shitty to think about, honestly. Ugh. It's interesting, though. Um, obviously, Arian is, like, a signature bad guy. Like, uh, on Twitter, Emmett Booth asked us, poor Quentin asked us, is Brightflame the single worst Targaryen? And the big answer there is... They're all pretty short. They're pretty shitty. Like, all of them are pretty shitty. But Arian is definitely shitty. Like, he literally yeah. goes out, like, right. on his horse thinking he looks great. And literally, he just, like, trots past and he goes, come out, come out, little knight. It's time you face the dragon. Like, what a douchebag. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> like literally, who says that? No one's wet. Just, like, go away. <laughs> but. <laughs> like, you flamboyant looking fuck. Like, you're just a pretty prince and you're mean and you cheat and you're bad like that's where the joffrey like parallels really hit for me with Arian, where i'm like you're just this yeah. pretty prince and you have everything handed to you and you're a jerk you're just a mean person you're bad you're mean yeah it's it's just like also interesting that even his younger brother like hates him so much and kill him. Him. yeah i know he's kill just like i'm like, just yelling kill him kill him kill him I know, I'm like, that's an intense thing for an eight or a nine-year-old to just be yelling. But, like, here's Egg yelling exactly that. <laughs> I'm like, damn, dude. Yeah. But don't chill. <laughs> you yeah. do you. You keep for yelling. Sure. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> really sh He's just shitty. So to answer poor Quentin's question, he's up there. He's up there as a shitty-ass yeah. Targaryen. Right Flame is a shitty Targaryen. Like, they're all shitty, but he's pretty shitty. Yeah, he's not the shitty. I mean, yeah. I, I guess like May, well, Maegor is the worst, probably. Maegor is pretty shitty. I mean, like, like Aegon Fourth like, is also shitty. Yeah, he's like pretty shitty too. Especially because, like, like, I'm saying, you know, there's a lot of shitty targs. Yeah, I just don't think that Arion is hashtag the worst when it comes to the Targaryens, but he he up there. He up there, like I would put him in top top fifteen, top twenty. God, top there's so five. many. Top five, even maybe. Top five, yeah. Like top top. I mean, five the other thing five. is, this is before we even get fire and blood. Obviously, someday we'll have fire and blood, and we'll get to know everything about these Targaryens up to the last two. Sorry. <laughs> we'll get this. I mean, I didn't say we were going to get the wins of winter. Uh... No need to laugh. So Doug gets invited to drink some wine that night with Raymond Fossaway, which is much happier than thinking about how we're never going to get the books. And uh, yeah, there's food. Yeah, true. That's true. <laughs> he goes through the four champions. There's four champions now because obviously Harding can't really participate, participate, and he thinks on how Leo Terrell. Lionel Baratheon, Tybalt Lannister, and Prince Valor are the four champions. Which, kind of interesting, because, like, if you take that list and compare it to the four of the five kings, like, you're missing, like, Greyjoys, and you're missing uh, Starks out of that list. But, like, interesting mm. that those four champions are so highlighted. That there's the Tyrells, the Baratheons, the Lannisters, the Targaryens. And of course, cool. and of course, like as has been pointed out a couple of times, there's that theory that has arisen from the story called the like the Ashford theory. Yeah, the Ashford theory, which I think actually has its roots from nobody sus suspects the butterfly from Aswath University. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and basically, like that. Uh, the suitors 
not the suitors, sorry, the champions of the Ashford tourney match up with the suitors from Sansa Stark's storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, though I argue, and technically Butterfly argues this too, Butterfly, who also attends Ice and Fire Con, if you're listening, mm-hmm. uh, go to Ice and Fire Con. It's so fun. I don't know if she's going again this year or not, but anyways. I'm not sure. I know uh, poor Quentin will be there from Aceworth University. Uh, but I don't know if she's going to be there. I was kind of keeping an eye out, um, and I'm not 100% sure. I'll ask Emmett about it and see soon enough. Yeah. Well, she was there last Fine. year. Yeah. She was there last year, and yeah, she also has pointed out on Twitter that, like, her point in making that theory, and, like, it's come up other times from others, is not that, like, the last person in, in the tourney ended up being the one who ends up with the Lady of Ashford, because as we know, that's not actually how it ended mm-hmm. up, because the Targaryens died. Mm-hmm. Um, so that doesn't actually mean that whoever is like the Targaryen or whatever it is from among Sansa's suitors ends up being her endgame. It's just like a yeah. thing. So, anyways, all right, sorry. Go no, on. No, you're fine. Um, No, yeah. I do love the Ashford theory in that too, because I mean, yeah. a lot of people uh, use it to come up with crack theories about how Sansa's going to date Aegon. And I think that's stupid because we know that he's a fake and he's not a real Targaryen. And it's canon at this point. Let's just get it out of the way. It's canon. Yeah. We know that Aegon Targaryen is a Blackfire. Anyways. Fagon. Um, Aegon, which just makes you think of like Fago or Fanta, you know? Ooh, I like Fanta. But in the end, I kind of like, and I don't. I wouldn't say that I'm, like, a shipper of it, but I do think that for political reasons, Jonza could be endgame. Yeah. Like end endgame. As, and I mean... As you know, I'm it, on that. Yeah, it's... It's not like a, ooh, John and Sansa, true knight. I don't like that. I don't care about that. I'm, yeah. I'm a Sansa shipper. We know this. I'm garbage. I'm big trash. Like, I'm like that is garbage. Trash Sorry. Yeah, it's fine. I know that I'm trash, and I admit that it's a trash it's thing. It's just trash like... Shit. I'm the same age as Sandor, and I'm like, yo, 13-year-olds are not fucking cute. Yo, right. But it is, you know, yeah, in the book. I, and I don't think, like, right now. I mean, I'd like him to go get some, like, anger management at the Quiet Isles, and then, like, they can hook up later when she's an adult. There's this Tumblr post. I can't remember who made it, but it's, like, a text post. And it was like, Sansa, why were you in my bedroom all those years ago in King's Landing? Sandor, IDK. <laughs> That's amazing. It goes on. It's like oh better than God. that. It's oh way God. better than anything I've said. I'll have to find it for you. But like yes. that's how I feel. Like I want like that is what I want. I want them to like go on. Sansa to get smart and like obviously she's gonna suffer some shit because that's life in a song of ice and fire. But like her and him to re meet up later on in life, you know, when they're not like so damaged. That's what I want for them because they did play important roles for each other. Obviously. Anyways, I digress. As I am a sans sand shipper and I'm garbage, it's not that I don't like love Jonza. It's just it seems kind of the way the story will go in the end. I don't think Daenerys is going to live, um, at least and, not like till the end. And if Jon does live, I mean, what's the only way Targaryen blood would be accepted again after all this destruction? Well, marrying to someone else, you know, like making it solid. And who's available? Well, who has red hair? And is politically apt, and who's honorable with the dumb Stark long face? Sansa! <laughs> it's Sansa! Sansa and John. That's yeah. good job. Really good, honey. 
Dunk goes and he drinks wine with Raymond that night. And he's having a good time, kind of like hanging out with the popular kids for a minute. You know, like he's kind of learning some stuff. He's getting some gossip and he's hearing uh, some gossip from Raymond. And he's kind of like making friends. This is the first time like Dunk gets to be around people his age. It's the first time he gets to like be a normal person kid. Like not kid, but like he gets to live his age for once. He gets to like hang out with some people that are knights and... I don't know, it's like, Dunk gets to, like, live. He doesn't ever get to live, so he's just hanging out, and everything's great, and he's getting a bunch of exposition about the Targaryens, and about, like, the, all of, you know, like, the king's sons, and Darian and Aegon, and Arian and Baylor and Aerys, and Rhaegel, and he's talking about, you know, the king's sons, and the grandsons, and just all they're the just gossiping. More. Yeah, they're just gossiping about Targs. Talking about how Arian's vain and cruel, how Darian's a sot, how they gave Aemon to the Citadel, like. Oh, Aemon. Oh, Aemon. Oh, oh, egg. Oh. That's old. I, I am I old. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm kind of old. Whatever. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm not crying. You're crying. I had a cat that was old and blind, and I kept like say making like holding him like egg. I dreamed I was old. <gasps> so. Oh, what if I do? Okay, I don't want to do that to my dog. My dog is blind. Oh, so your dog's Mr. Eamon. He's a chihuahua, and okay, he's 15, and he's got, like, a tumor on his butt, and sometimes he bleeds out of his butt. Now his butt doesn't look like an elephant's face anymore, and he's blind, and oh, that's my story. Okay, well. Yeah, thanks for listening. I appreciate it. So. <laughs> thanks, everyone. <laughs> We can cut that. It's okay. I can't wait to just like get into audacity and just cut this bitch. Up. Just be like, oh my god, Eliana, what are you doing? <laughs> Jeff was like in the chat, like, out of 120 minutes, here's the 80 minutes it turned out. And Whoa. I'm over here like, out of the 730 minutes, here's the 30 usable minutes we came up with. Sorry. Not sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, I'm here too. So <laughs> I can I can put some done if you like. We can cut it all down. We'll figure it out. Um, so Dunk is just like bullshitting. They're gossiping. They're just shooting the shit. You know, he's just being a normal dude. And all of a sudden, Egg comes running, just bursts in. And I do want to say something that's so important about how he bursts in is he doesn't say like, Dunk, Dunk, Dunk. He goes, Sir, Sir Duncan, Sir Duncan. Like, totally respects the shit out of him. You know what I mean? Like, calls him Sir Duncan. Doesn't yeah. come running and say dunk the lunk. Doesn't come running and say dunk. He says, Sir Duncan, I need you. You have to run. He's hurting her. Uh, yeah. And it's like, funny because he says, Sir, Sir Duncan, but he doesn't use any of the honorifics for Arian, probably because it's literally his brother, but like whatever. Yeah, but fuck it's, him. It's interesting. Like he respects Duncan enough to be like, I'm going to use his titles, but like fuck, fuck Arian. He's hurting her. Yeah, exactly. Like, he regards Dunk with more humanity than his own brother right this moment, which is awesome. Like, it's awesome that he respects Dunk enough to even be, like, Sir Duncan in front of Dunk's peers. Like, that's what's so important to me is that, like, yeah, for all this talk where he's like, you're not even a real knight, dude. Like, who the fuck? You think you're a real knight. He's come all this time, all of a sudden, within a few days to respect Dunk 
enough to call him Sir. In two days, to call him Sir Duncan. Yeah. To say he is a true knight and deserves the title of Sir. So I think that was kind of big, in my opinion. Yeah, no, that's a great detail. I've n- actually never noticed that before. And I just thought it was big. It reminds me, again, of like Podrick, you know, like, Sir, Sir, my lady, Sir, for Riyadh. <laughs> <laughs> Which would be a great name for a band, but um, also. Lady? Yeah. Sir, Sir, my lady. Um, be my but, butterfly, sugar, fate. What? Oh wow! Sir, my wow. lady. Sir, be my, sir, be my, my dragonfly. Be my dragonfly, sugar, baby. <laughs> what are we doing on this cast? <laughs> anyway. oh, this and great. like they call back to it, like also later on in the story, they're like, "Egg, you went to fucking Duncan," but like the fact that he picked Dunk to go to of all the people, like. Sure, he was closest, but also, like, that shows just how much trust and how much he believes that Dunk is a good person who's going to do the right thing in this moment. Yeah, Regardless absolutely. of blood. I mean, and Egg's not stupid. He also, you know, like, sees, like, oh, there was something between him and that puppeteer. Sure. But, like, it's more over, like, Egg's morality that to him, like, his brother, the evil dude who he wanted to get killed during kill the him. first day of the Joss, kill him! Like, kill his him. leg tightening around Dunk his neck like kill him like he's an asshole like his morality that like my brother is bad and he's hurting a girl that has no power like this is a woman of the small folk who just is putting on puppeteering like for some money like trying to entertain like and he's hurting her i mean that is big of egg's character in my opinion that's a big characterization moment that like egg would choose to have i mean this is the moment that you and i have been talking about of would Sir Arlen have stopped? Well, Sir Egg Arlen certainly. Wouldn't. You're right. Nope, Sir Arlen would have kept his head down, and Egg is out there like, no, but it is wrong that Egg puts him on the line for it. That's fucked. But it speaks <laughs> to both of their characters that Egg realized in that moment, this is not okay. Like, it's not okay for my brother to be abusing his power thusly, and I need to find help. Yeah. And I guess it says something. Who that do he- I trust? Yeah. He trusted Dunk, and he picked Dunk. He's a true knight, and, like, that play was suspect. Like, what was this fucking play? Like, whose idea was this? Who fucking wrote this? Anyways, um, that was a suspect play. <laughs> but also... Yeah, it's also, like, in the political climate currently. Kind of a bad idea. From the like. Dornish. From the Dornish. That was a suspect play. But also... That was definitely some Dornish propaganda. <laughs> that was a suspect play. Anyway, so, like... But, like, yeah, Egg... That egg did something also means something. Yeah, absolutely. That he stood up and didn't let that just go on. And it's harder for Egg because his brother is royalty. Like, he's royalty, but he's just a kid. I mean, you have to remember, yeah, he's royalty, but his royalty only goes so far. Like, his brother is an adult now. He is of the same age as Dunk, if not older, and has more power than what Egg is just a kid. He's a kid who had no power, so he ran away because he was sick of not having anything like that. Yeah, he's a kid. He did like didn't know what the world was going to be like. He didn't know that like this is he had his own idea of what the world should be, and tried to live up to that by trying to find the truest the truest knight that he could. And there's another line that's good too is Raymond stops and says, "Sir Duncan, Arian," he said, "a prince of the blood. Be careful." It was good counsel. He knew the old man would have said the same. Yeah, it's Arian, but fuck that guy. Fuck, fuck bright flame bro yeah more like butt flame but anyway <laughs> but anyway he like shows up and everything's like turned over 
A man at arms is dangling the puppets from his hand while they're being set afire with a torch. Like, this is all like, he's like, I left you for half a day. And what is happening? Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's, you have, like, these men arms, these evil, like, Jano slint motherfuckers are just, like, lighting the puppets on fire. And Arian, like, isn't enough to have Kingsguard around him. Like, he's not good enough, not needed enough to have, like, Kingsguard. But he's standing there just, like, ha-ha, like, my yeah. cronies, my, my bully guards are setting these puppets on fire. And I'm going to break this girl's finger and the stall's on its side. And it's just, like, such a tragic scene. It is. And, like, he's just exerting... It's not even just physical strength. He's exerting every amount of strength that he can. And, yeah. I don't know. Every part of it, he's just using his power for evil. He really is. And then he even, like, asks, he's like, knows how much power he wields. And then later on, like, he, like, asks Egg, uh, you refused to take my horse. Why did you throw your life away for this whore? She's scarcely worth it. A traitor, a dragon ought never lose. And he knows, like, he knows he has the upper hand, and yet he just continues to be a bully, and... That's what's the worst. It's like, it's one thing to have power, it's a total another thing how you wield it. And Bright Flame, like, wields his power, and it's horrible. Like, in, they even, in the text, you get, like, the dragon puppet scattered all about them, a broken wing here, its head there, its tail in three pieces, and in the midst of it all stood Prince Arian, resplendent in a red velvet doublet with long dagged sleeves, twisting Tanzel's arms in both hands. Like, such a cruel sight. Like, why is it that we're introduced to these beautiful, like, Targaryen dragon lord characters between, like, Arian and Viserys, and you just, like, get them, like, you know, like, twisting and turning and being evil and hurting an innocent woman. Like, that's just, like, the worst, grossest image. Like, I could never be into Targaryen shit because of that. Like, it just grosses me out. I'm like, ugh, what an asshole. I mean, it's definitely something George R. R. Martin's playing with, probably because he used to write for, like, Beauty and the Beast, that show. The show that oh, I yeah. never watched. From, like, what was it, the 80s or the 90s? Wow, it's so and, funny. Like, the... Did you say that George R. R. Martin loves Beauty and the Beast? I didn't say he loves it. I just said he wrote for it. Maybe he loves it. Did you know that know. he loves it? And um, there's actually this really I cool parallel I'll show you sometime. Uh, yeah, no, he loves Beauty and the Beast. Or, um, like, tell me I'll have to it. find it. Yeah, it's on Tumblr, but there's a parallel, and it's the whole scene, which obviously we know he directed uh, Black... He wrote Blackwater, the episode for mm-hmm. season two for Game of Thrones. And the entire scene for Sansa and Sandor is almost like shot for shot of this French Beauty and the Beast movie from the early oh. 1900s, black and white. And it's it's like almost shot for shot. It's amazing, Eliana. I'll have to find it. It's such a cool parallel. Um, yes. Yeah, but it's really interesting. And there's always, there's that interview where, uh, this is some knowledge I'm about to drop on you. You know that interview George has where he talks about how like he's always surprised about the reaction from female fans to like some of his <laughs> characters. Sorry, no, I don't know, and I probably am better off not knowing. But hilarious, tell me. He talks about Jamie and Sandor and how like he gets fan mail of like women that are like, "Oh, we love him," and something comes up, and he's like, "And people always are messaging and emailing and sending fan mail about Sandor and Sansa, the Sand Sand shippers." Like he straight up calls it that. And he's like, and people are always asking what's going on. Is there something there? And he goes, and there is something there. And then I'm like, oh, like the song from yes! Beauty and I was about something to start there. singing it in my head when you said it. I was like, there's something there that wasn't there before. 
Pale as old as time, Sansa and Sandor. Um, so. Okay, anyways, so. Anyways, we're doing really good. We're doing great. It's nine. Um, we're doing great. We're doing great. Um, Back to Arian being an asshole. This is really hard for me. I just want to think about like soft, fluffy Sansan shit because like Arian's just such a piece of fuck. Yeah. No, he is. And like so stereotypical, but I also love it. I don't care. I love it. The way the rest of the scene plays out. Yeah. Like Arian breaks her finger and Dunk like just shows up like a badass and just smashes him to the ground and he kicks the teeth out of the motherfucker's mouth. He's like a piece of fuck. And even, like, uh, towards the end, Arian's like, oh, you fucking care about, like, these losers, these small folk. And then, like, Dunk rolls in. Not Dunk, sorry. Egg rolls in. This fucking bald-ass, like, small folk boy. And yeah. Dunk's like, no, go away. Run away. Save yourself. Egg is all in the crowd. Like, don't hurt him. And Dunk yeah. just thinks, like, what a stupid boy. And he, that's what he does. He yells, he's like, hold your tongue, run away. And he's like, no, they won't. If they do, they'll answer to my father and my uncle. Let go of him. Wait, Yorkle, you know me. Do as I say. And you're just like, oh, shit, what a reveal. It feels like, okay, you know what that scene reminds me of? Catelyn Stark at the end of yep, the process. in the end. Yes. That's what and that's totally like a similar like reveal and he almost like with the calling upon the men and I yeah. can't wait. I really think I've like put this hot take out before and I'm just going to lay it down real quick. We're going to see that again, probably yeah. in the end of winds of winter from Sansa. Ooh. You're going to have Sansa. Yeah, this is real good. You're about to like vibrate intensely. Sansa is going to stand there and she is going to call upon each of the veil bannermen and be like, were you not, did you not run down the halls with my father, Eddard Stark, when he was here? Oh, shit. As a young boy. And, like, she's gonna be like, did you not, uh, were you not from my mother's service? And did were you not, like, this to the Tullys? And she's gonna call on each person and call on each house. Be like, does the North not remember? And, like, call on them to, like, help her take her home with the Knights of the Vale. It's gonna be really awesome. Anyways. Yeah. I wonder if it'll be just the Vale. Yeah. Like, yeah, and I mean, like, Arya kind of does this, like, on a too smaller scale. Harwin, Harwin, don't you remember me? Yeah, absolutely. That's her first little, like, stepping her toe in the water of it. Yeah, but, like, in, like, a sadder way. Because, like, so sad. Yeah. It it, it was actually mm-hmm. really sad. But anyway, I would want to see, I would really want to see that from Sansa. I'm excited. Because it's totally taking her knowledge of heraldry that she has, that we know yeah. she has, has been proven. It's taking, like, using her familial bonds, using her political aptness, like, I would love to see all that come to life. I really would. So I do think we'll get that. I think we're going to get that at the end of the Winds of Winter. I think that's how she's going to call on the Knights of the Vale to take her home to take back her birthright. I think a big part of her plot is Peter has this plan for her to take back her birthright, but it's all going to go awry and she's going to have to make it her own to take back her birthright. And it's more important that her agency is something she reclaims and something Peter hands her. Yeah. Anyways, back to our Duncan Egg podcast. Um, (laughs) So Arian's men grab Dunk and Egg does the reveal. He's all like, unhand him. And the crowd part, there's just this big reveal of Egg, like, oh, I cut my hair off because I didn't want to be like, you brother, you jerk. And he's like, oh, you little weasel, fuck you. And Dunk is just having this realization that Egg, instead of sitting in the box wrapped in furs 
and wrapped in like veer and Miss Applebottom jeans and the boots with the fur. With the fur, the veer boots with the veer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he went with Dunk to go like camp and like you know, like instead of being in the mobile home camp area, he like was out like under a tree at Coachella. Yeah, he was over with yeah. tents, etc. Lord Ashford's soldiers scoop them all up at the puppet show, and he's put into a cell. He is put into a cell in a castle tower. Dunk is now the princess in the tower. <gasps> oh my god, he is! What a trope. What a trope. He is. He is, though. Yeah. He's in the tower. I mean, he's the princess in the tower. He's also, like, of course, the trope of, like, oh, he's in the dungeons being questioned, like, in that scene in, in Braveheart, where he's in... He's in the dungeons. Oh my god. <laughs> and like the the woman I guess that he's sleeping with, from what I can vaguely remember. I watched Braveheart at a very young influential age. Um and she comes down, she's like, Oh, just take this poison and kill yourself so you don't have to deal with all the things. He's like, No, I'm gonna be executed. I'm gonna pick that up. Like, okay, you do you really Gibson. That's exactly what Dunk Belunk is right now. Yeah. He's Braveheart. He's locked in his castle tower and he just like he hears the jousting, he hears the lists. And that's the sad part. Like Dunk didn't get to even go in the lists. Like yeah. after all that work, he didn't even get to enter the lists. Like none of it. But uh, he's sitting there haunted, thinking about like how he feels betrayed by Egg. He feels betrayed by Maker's youngest son, the nephew of Baylor Breakspear, you know, like, how could he have done this to me? I'm just like this simple dude, and I just wanted to win a fucking tourney, and he ruined my life. He really did, though. <laughs> Egg really ruined his life. Egg's okay, oh, 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 we were talking about Egg. I was talking about Arian Brightflame. I mean, Egg did, too. Oh, no, I mean, him, too. I mean, but let's like, be real. Egg totally ruined his life. He was gonna live a simple-ass life. Sure, it would've been harder, but Egg ruined his life. Yeah, but he was cute and, like, eight. Like, you can't say no to the- you can't say no to the small child. Um, I mean, you could. I mean, Egg totally fucked him, and, like, his family calls him out for it, but, like, yeah. Egg finally visits. He apologizes to Dunk, and he says that Baylor wants to see him. I mean, so that's, like, his good. big... That's good. Like, Baylor could be good. Um, we did get a question uh, from Joe Magician uh, on Ooh. Twitter. Joe Magician 42 asked, is Matrix. Egg to Dunk? Yeah, Matrick is Egg it's to not Dunk. His name. No, it's not at all. What Jamie is to Brienne is Egg to Dunk. What Jamie is to Brienne, and I'm not sure if that's in terms of like catalyst or like for better behavior or you know like what do you think? I think that a good in a good friendship, both people improve each other mutually, and I don't think it's necessarily that one of them is the Brienne to the other, so much as maybe in some ways. Both of them are the Brienne to the other. Everyone should just be the Brienne. Without getting your cheek gnawed off. I mean, like, you'd have a badass scar. Yeah, I mean, like, that's what everyone yearns for, isn't it? <laughs> that's my goal. I don't know if it's not your if that's your goal, but, like, it's I mine. Mean, not entirely. I have, I have one. I have one. I don't know if, like, the story behind it is badass or not. Um, I do want to read. I have a passage I want to read. You do you. Uh, I, I do want to read this passage that I think is so important. It's some internal passage that Dunk has while he's in his princess tower. 
A hedge knight is the truest kind of knight, Dunk, the old man had told him a long, long time ago. Other knights serve the lords who keep them, or from whom they hold their lands, but we serve where we will, for men whose causes that we believe in. Every knight swears to protect the weak and innocent, but we keep the vow best, I think. Queer how strong that memory seemed. Dunk had quite forgotten those words, and perhaps the old man had as well toward the end. Oh, No, I love this. I love that passage so much. Okay. Do you think that this holds true for Sir Shadrick? Do you think that Sir Um, Shadrick legitimately believes... Like, we don't know much about Sir Shadrick, right? He seems like he's fucking, like, in it for himself. But do you think that there's a part of him, like, maybe that believes that he's, like, serving the causes he believes in that isn't just money? No. I don't... I mean, maybe at one point. But now it's not. Now he's out there to get Sansa Stark for someone, which it's theorized it could be for Varys or for Cersei or for... You know, uh, he's out there to get money, though. I mean, like, Sansa means money, as we sure. know, like Sansa, Sansa Stark is just like dollar signs on every dude's dick. Like, yeah, it's true. She really is, though. Yeah, she like, knows it. Sansa she Stark. knows. Yeah, it. she knows now. She didn't at first. She didn't understand, and now she does. She's learning. She's more apt. She's learning the game on how it's played, <laughs> and uh, it, it's something that like Sir Shadrick. No, we don't know enough about him, but he's from the Shady Glen. Okay, that bad shady. I'm just saying, like, this little mouse is from the Shady Glen. That's... Yeah. That's a right choice of place for him. Like, come on now. Um, I don't think he is... I mean, he's introduced as a hedge knight, but like I said, I think he's a hedge knight gone rogue. Like, more robber than hedge knight at this point. So... Yeah. I don't know. And a time will tell. T.Y. will tell someday, maybe. Well, eventually, maybe Mm -hmm. someday. Mm -hmm. Crying. Yeah. One day. Uh, so Dunk gets to go speak with Baylor and it's nice that it's Baylor because Baylor is you know pretty chill as we know he's the one that you know kind of got him in there and Baylor straight up says to him like well unfortunately like I kind of made a mess of this and you kind of made a mess of this like obviously Arian's a dick but he's a royal dick here's a cup of wine like Sorry, but Maker's pretty pissed. Oh, by the way, Darian's been telling everyone that you kidnapped Egg. So, and that you're a robber. So speaking of the robber knight, here's here's Dunk getting the robber knight uh, personality, even though he didn't do it, and he's a good dude. Yeah. What a dick. (laughs) No, I... Dick moved Darian. Darian just, like, is like, well, I don't want to be in trouble. He's just like, I mean, yes, me, but also look at that guy. And I'm just like, no, Darian. No, Arian. Just like... Wait, wait, wait. Also, why do their names all sound the same? Like, if I had, like, five sons, would I name them Ben with different vowels that say Ben? Like... I don't know. Would you? (laughs) No, I I I wouldn't. I would give them distinctively different names. I mean, maybe I'd give them, like, at most, the same, like, consonant sound at the beginning. Like, how some people, they're like, oh, oh, my children's names like, begin with the letter M. And I'm like, all right, that's, like, all right. It's still but, weird. Yeah, it's still weird. That's the most I think you should do. Like, um, Matthew, Martha, like, what? Yeah, you gotta chill. There are just other names. You could, like... 
Instead of like Jaharis, Jahiris, Papyrus, you could like name them. Papyrus. <laughs> papyrus. Oh, I like Papyrus. <laughs> oh, they should have one name than that. <laughs> papyrus, the papery dragon. Yep, there you go. There's yep. your connection. Symbolism. It's a metaphor. Uh, metaphor play. Like, you could have yeah. just like named one Todd, I guess. I don't know. Like Targaryens were just like. I guess that's kind of like making fun of their culture. That's not nice. I mean, they're dragon lord burning everything down culture. That's not nice of me. So we'll just move on. Magor and uh, Maker. Aenys. Magor yeah. and Aenys sound like very different names. Good job, Aegon, picking different fucking names for your kids. Since your name's Aegon. Yeah. And you come from Aegon's. Yeah, Make Makar and like Baylor, those are different names. Like and then Aegon, they had like Aegon. they had another brother also named Rhaegel, and like there's another one I forgot him. He's probably he's like definitely not important, but those are all different <laughs> names because Darren, uh, the one who won the fucking war against the Blackfires, was a smart man who named his children different things. Just saying, yep, but. The right man won the no, war. No, I agree. Yeah, I mean, he died, but, like, he named his children different things, as one does. Uh, I digress. Uh, so, Baylor shows up and basically says, Maker's pissed. He, like, is believing this narrative that Darren spun. Unfortunately, like, kinda is what it is. You're gonna be tried, judged, and punished. You're gonna get a trial. You kicked a prince and hit a prince, you're gonna lose a hand and a foot and some teeth. Like, your life really sucks. But there is one better choice that you could do, Sir Duncan the Tall. <laughs> one better choice. Better, quote-unquote, choice. Are you ready for this choice, Sir Duncan the Tall? Yeah, I am. A trial of seven, said Prince Arian, smiling. That's my right, I do believe. And Prince Arian straight up, like, just chooses it. Like, Prince Arian's like, oh no, it will be a trial of seven. Not only did Baylor, like, say, hey, it would be better if you did this, but then Arian's like, oh... Get to choose. I get to choose. Yeah, Arian's like, but wouldn't this be dramatic? <laughs> Arian just wants to be dramatic. I think yeah, is honestly, he's you're correct. The most dramatic person. Like he like fucking drinks wildfire. He's like, I'm gonna become a Dargan if I do this. I'm like, no, dude. Yeah. So even if he wasn't such a dick now, his crazy ass drinks wildfire. I mean, I drink some crazy weird ass. things. None of them are wildfire. You know, I say that, but, like, we are getting shit show drunk on alcohol right now, so. Yeah, this is Jim Beam, you know? This is not... Yeah, we're not, like, gonna try to, like, blow it out our mouths and light it on fire or anything. Yet, but yeah. I mean... Yet. There's still time. And it's not cheap enough vodka to waste on that, so. So, basically, Dunk <laughs> is gonna have a trial of seven. And then it turns into a trial by combat before... He was going to be tried before Baylor, Maker, Lord Ashford, and Lord Leo. And Baylor's like, I'll seek leniency, but gonna lose a hand and a foot. Just for striking him. And the trial of seven hasn't happened in the last hundred years. That's pretty big. Yeah. I mean, furthermore, Gunk is like, fucked. Like, who the fuck is gonna man the fuck up for this hedge knight? no one cares about like he's just some dude that showed up and no one even knows where he came from they're like we don't really even believe he's a knight which like comes back to all the things that we were saying earlier today about <laughs> earlier today lol earlier in this cast <laughs> about 
classism and stuff. A lot of these lords and stuff, they have built these networks and know each other and you're like, help me out, bruh, like in a situation. But like, do the hedge knights, I mean, some of them might see each other every now and then it's with these journeys, but like they don't necessarily have these same uh, connections with one another. And like Dunk's like, where am I gonna even find people who are gonna fight for me that are as well suited as like uh It puts him exactly at the beginning when he's like, Who's gonna stand yeah. up for me to be in this tournament? Like he already didn't have anyone. Now he super doesn't have anyone. Now it's like he's pissed off like a good strong portion of the crowd as it is. Yeah. And he doesn't know like, anyone. Yeah, he's kinda screwed, but he uh he goes to the Fossaway tent. Hey, Goes to the Fossways, and uh, Sir, Sir Stefan is there, and he straight up says, he's like, I'll find people to fight. Like, Raymond is like, I'm gonna help, and I can't believe all that happened, and we're gonna help you. And Stefan's like, I'll find more people. I'll find people to help you. I'll find people. And they go and start to gather people. Uh, Egg and Darren show up, and they tell Dunk that all three of the Kingsguard are gonna fight in the trial. Yeah, and I mean, like, just Maker is such a fucking dick about it. He's like, if a cause is just, good men will fight for it. If you can find no champion, sir, it will be play. It will be because you're guilty. And it's like, no, no one wants to fight against those three Kingsguard who are sworn to yeah, defend like, the crown Yeah, who's gonna friends. fight against royalty and Kingsguard, Kingsguard who guards the like, who, no one's gonna yeah. fight against that. This is a losing battle. It is literally overarching commentary on our justice system is what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's actually like what it is, like especially with Maycar Targaryen being like, no, it's fine. This is normal. It's all unfair for someone who's poor in the justice system who doesn't have any way to navigate it. Like no money for good lawyers. Like no, like this is literally yeah. representative of the justice system, and it's so fucked up in a way. Like, oh, by the way, like you're gonna be fighting the people that guard the king and some royalty, and you can't really even touch them more than likely. Like you're gonna die if you touch them. Yeah. And he did, because it was the right thing to do, and, like, here we are now. Yeah. So, Darian shows up <sighs> with Egg, and after they tell him about the Kingsguard fighting, Darian promises that he's gonna fail at the very first pass at him, because he's a shitty fighter, and he's a drunk. Um, which, to be fair, if I was it's... getting visions all the time, I would always be drunk. Also true, but also Darian not fucking helpful. No, not helpful at all. Like, Darian's, like, such a coward. It's nice that you're secretly a nice person and all, Darian, but, like, you're also a coward. Stand up for the shit that's right. He's, like, not that nice a person. Because, like, earlier I said, maybe we'll talk about self-fulfilling prophecies. But I'm going to do it now. Mm -hmm. Do it. So, like, Darian. Darian's, like, Darian the drunk, Darian the dreamer is, like, I had these visions of you coming from underneath, like, this the wing of a dead dragon and stuff, but, like, if Darren the Drunk had never gone in with Arian, had, like, actually stood up against Arian, would this Trial of Seven have ever even happened? And would Baylor Breakspear have ever died had he actually, like, not been such a coward? Probably not. He could have really prevented that. The His vision, like you said, self-fulfilling. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Like, Darren tells him the dream he had, the vision he had of Dunk fallen down but still alive with a great dragon dead over him. That dragon haunts Dunk till the very bitter end, let's be real. 
Uh, better fucking haunt Darren. Maybe maybe that's why they find Darren dead later on. I don't know. Like, no, Darian's just Darren. like shitty. Like there's nothing worse than it's one thing to be completely shitty like Arian. You know what I mean? Like it's one Trump. thing to just be a shitty ass piece of shit. But to be someone who's complacent and like sees bad being done and does nothing about it is a whole other story. He's that's like what Darian complicit. is. Yep. Absolutely. By doing nothing, he's still doing everything. And later on, he's like, I'm kind of doing something by withdrawing my thing. But, like, he could have done more. He's he's older than Arian and has more of a claim to th- the throne, theoretically, kind of not. Mm-hmm. Because Baylor's still alive and so are his sons. But whatever, like, he had the ability to try and, like, pull his sway. And he just, like, didn't. He threw it in at first and that, like, of course, cast doubt on Dunk. As opposed to, like, him being like, uh, no, I lost my younger brother because I'm a bad babysitter. And, like, had he actually been forthcoming and... Exactly, and, like, had he taken responsibility for his actions is the biggest thing. Like, he took no responsibility for his actions. Had he done all that, like, perhaps, perhaps none of this would have happened and Baylor Breakspear would be alive. Not that the entire story is about, like, how can we keep Baylor Breakspear alive, even though, like, sometimes I think about it. (laughs) Even though it is. Baylor Breakspear is Bay, but, like, you know. He puts the Bay in Baylor? He really does, though. Like, that's really where I'm going, and it's really how I feel. He was. He was kind. He was sweet. He should have been the ruler, man. He was kind. He was fair. I mean, he even says to Dunk, it. like, had you been born, you know, a prince, then you would have been fine. But you were born a hedge knight, buddy. Like, this sucks. Yeah. I hate to say there's nothing I can do besides, like, just try to be fair as I can. And I mean, everyone knows it. Makar fucking knows it. Makar's like, damn, dude. That yeah. guy was, like, way better than me. <laughs> R.I.P. <sighs> And, you know, the vision that Darren tells him is so vague and so, like, overarching of the whole Duncan mm-hmm. X story. It is, like... An ass-off in general. An ass-off, yeah, in general. And, like, Darren tells him, you know, I mean, and as we see, we see this vision come to life by the end of the story. Uh, but, like, it's also overarching with the tragedy of Summerhall, the I dreamed of you and a dead dragon, a great beast, huge with wings so large they could cover this meadow. It had fallen on top of you, but you were alive and the dragon was dead. Did I kill it? That I could not say, but you were there and so was the dragon. We were the masters of dragons once, we Targaryens. Now they're all gone, but we remain. I don't care to die today. The gods alone know why, but I don't. So do me a kindness, if you would, and make certain it is my brother Arian you slay. That vision haunts through the whole entire plot that like every single time the dragons keep dying and dunk keeps living until the very end you know oh shit yeah at the very end i just thought about that lying there yeah dunk is lying there with the dragon just like over him it's not just then it's like every time yep (sighs) until the very end in which dunk i guess decides that he'll die and the dragon lives dunk tries to save the dragons it's very sad. I guess it works. Man, I'm bummed. Why is Duncan Egg so sad? <laughs> Dunk goes to find the girl from Dorne. He goes to find Hansel too tall. And he does not find Hansel too tall. The cart's gone. 
they're gone. He shows back up to Steely Pate to see if he can get his shield from him. And Steely Pate gives him the shield that Tanzel finished painting. And he gives it to him pretty much assumedly for free, it seems. Yeah. And as he leaves the stall and Pate comes with him, the small folk start to cheer for Dunk. It's amazing. He looks at his shield and looks at the star falling. And he feels almost let down like what sort of sigil is a falling star would he fall just as fast and sunset herald's night and he thinks about how he should have stayed with the winged chalice to fly away you know and pate starts to point out to him this elm is alive see how green the leaves are summer leaves for certain i've seen shields blazing with skulls and wolves and ravens and hanged men and bloody heads they served well enough and so will this you know the old shield rhyme oak and iron guard me well or else i'm dead and doomed to hell dunk finished and that's like such a big that's it that's this is the big like end of the as we're nearing the climax of the story like that's me well or else i'm dead and doomed to hell yeah and it's that it's that and it's just like steely pate as at the beginning we see he's a hard businessman like he has things that he needs to take care of and we know that because he has things to take care of he has things he values, like his own livelihood, etc., and his business. Yeah, like he values his time. He spent time on armor, and I mean, obviously, Dunk was going to try to talk him ma- talk him down on price and haggle, and he did go down for Dunk because he realized, you know, he seems like a good dude. He's not but, worth yeah. charging up the ass. <laughs> and then he's like, he sees what Dunk stands for, and and everyone else also does, and they, what Dunk does, just spreads throughout the entire tourney and everyone knows that Doug Dunk he had no chance against the prince but he saw injustice and he stood up against it and everyone's like this guy's he did yeah he stood up against injustice and it's so important like Steely Pate walks back with him after he gets his uh shield and bit by bit like each person comes up to him a woman calls out good fortune to you and an old man steps up and takes his hand and says may the gods give you strength And a begging brother says a blessing on his sword and a maid kisses his cheek. Every single person comes up to me and like the, like there's like the most heart touching passage. They are for me. Why? Asked Pate. What am I to them? And Pate goes, a knight who remembered his vows. It's, I think that's the heart. Okay. In my opinion, that's that's the heart of these stories. That's the conceit of the story. That's it. That's what the story is about. And that's a why like remembered Pate... his vows. <laughs> Even though he didn't take the vows, but he remembered what it meant to be one. Yeah. And then at the end, Pate's like, yeah, it costs you a copper. The passage you just quoted, I think, is the conceit of the entire story. We don't get in main Aswaf, besides like Brienne and Davos, even, like, we don't get much of the small folk from no. point of views. We'll get a few chapters here and there where some people are involved with small folk. You get Arya among the Brotherhood and meeting some people that aren't as well off. But you don't get the small folk. You don't get an everyday point of view that's the small folk. But we do get Dunk. And we do get these small folk coming up to him. We do get him sticking up for what's good and what's right and what's pure in the world. Uh, And, I mean, nothing will bring tears to my eyes like a knight who remembered his vows. Because in the end, he was a knight who remembered his vows, even to the very bitter end. Even to those flames licking up the walls of Summerhall. Even to him carrying every single person that he could carry out of that place. He was a knight who remembered his vows, man. I mean, it comes back to 
something that I guess poor Quentin has been talking about a lot about the concept of the existential triumph and the idea of choosing the right thing and doing the right thing, the morally right thing, regardless of whether or not one uh, attains... Whether or not you win, whether or not you get the ending. Yeah, you win, you like get remembered in the history books, etc. And Dunk does that. He's like, there's no way I can win um, against uh, a prince and, oh, his posse, but I'm going to do it. I think the big thing is really, uh, again, it's literally a toss-up between A, who lives, who dies, who tells your story, and then like B, men's lives have meaning, not their deaths. The existential triumph, completely, that's what it is. It's how Dunk lives his life is just as and more important than how he dies. Although how he dies is pretty big. Like, I mean, that's a big... It's big. To some extent, maybe the... Maybe Duncan Egg in and of itself is a little more, like, romantic and, like, uh, optimistic in its outcome in that, yes, Dunk picks the existential triumph in standing up for Tanzel too tall, regardless of the consequences for himself. But... The idea is that the story itself still rewards him in that at some point he becomes Lord Commander of the King's Guard. He stays with Egg. He, it, it's the friends we made along the way. And <laughs> he rises to this high position. I mean, that's a different era than we're in right now with A Song of Ice and Fire. Oh, yeah, it is. It is, And it's completely different because you look at how the role of the knight and the role of the hedge knight has transcended compared to where we are in the narrative in modern mm-hmm. Aeswath. You look at the broken man. I mean, which the broken man idea existed Sad then, Ryan. obviously. But yeah, Sandar Ryan. But, like, I mean, you look at how getting raised up to the Kingsguard for Sandor compared to Dunk getting raised up to the Kingsguard. You know, like, it's a very different... Yes. Kingsguard raise. Um, you look at the Kingsguard in general and the environment that they are in and the cheating and the money and like how they are no true knights, none of them. You know, the only men of the Kingsguard that didn't beat Sansa Stark were Sandor Clegane and Barristan Selmy. Every other dude in the Kingsguard beat the shit out of Sansa with gloved, chainmailed, gloved hands, just beating the crap out of a 12-year-old dude. Yeah. Like that's messed up. That's not what a true knight is. That is not knights who remembered their vows. Jamie thinks it about every time he had to stand guard outside of Rayla's room. Yeah. And hear what was happening. I mean, it's a very different time they're living in now, 100 years later almost, you know, like 90 years later. They're living in a very different time with very different things. Politics, unfortunately, as money gets added and exchanged, it becomes transactional politics become very you know, uh, morality leaves. Morality is very fleeting, so... Okay, random question. Maybe it'll lead to something, maybe not. Do you think that the decline in the morality of the Kingsguard has to do with the decline in the morality of the Targaryens uh, and, and the royal family in general? Or do you think that it's independent of that and it's just a coincidence? I think where we are, started? like, currently in narrative... Um, I mean, and that's, again, complacency, word of the day. I think Robert's reign, especially the 15 years of Robert's reign that we, like, come upon are definitely uh, a sign of the complacency and a sign of the political state. Like, you look at how the Kingsguard is, 
yeah, of course, Kingsguard and the Gold Cloaks and the City Watch, like everyone, all going to be corrupt at this point. Robert hasn't given a shit. He's let his council be run by people that are self-serving. Arius obviously didn't have a handle on things, and he was more corrupt in the end. Like as the kings go on, yeah, the decline comes from the complacency in kingship. Mm. And I mean, that comes from like a simple thought of what is there after you own all the kingdoms. Why would it matter as long as you're good? Why should anyone else really matter? You know, there's no kings who care anymore. Yeah. The uh, king who cared concept that we like grasp onto with Stannis, grasp onto like it doesn't it doesn't exist for Ares. It didn't care. If, that didn't exist for Robert. There's no king who cared. So I think it's maybe this. Robert in establishing a new dynasty really actually needed to create a king's guard that showed a king who cared because it's mm-hmm. a new regime and he did nothing the war left such an empty shell losing yeah. the idea of what he thought he wanted through Liana and like losing you know and he went into it telling himself this is because of Liana it wasn't uh, uh, it wasn't like John Aaron started the war yeah this- everyone's dads are yeah. assholes Robert Baratheon like really should have the smart thing would to do would have been to not be complacent and actually put an effort into establishing some sort of political narrative around himself and around the benefit that like his regime is actually doing to the to Westeros aside from just having disposed the tyrant he drained the swamp but then that's it like nothing else happened after it yeah he drained the swamp, then but nothing. he, like, didn't really. He was just, I am the swamp now. I am the swamp king. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard thinking about the king's garden, thinking Tywin had a good hand during Aerys' reign in, like, setting up what he wanted to happen. Robert is just a dummy king. Yeah, no, he absolutely was. He absolutely was. Like, Ned was like, fuck no, I don't want that shit. John was like, I don't really want it, but I'd be alright at it. So <laughs> I could take it. Yeah, he's like, I can do some of it. So like Robert, you do it and I'll like be behind you and I'll do all the things. Yeah, like that sounds good. I mean I did kind of want this in the first place, so Yeah, and it like worked out okay for a bit. <laughs> then Robert was like blah, blah, blah. And then Air John Aaron was like, Well, it wasn't his fault. It really doesn't help that Cersei was like conniving at every corner behind him. I mean yeah, and I mean, Liza Aaron and Littlefinger. I don't know. Wild card. Man, bitches. it's so crazy to think. Wild card. So Dunk walks back from having the small folk cheer him. You know, like the biggest, all of a sudden, that's like a pretty big moment to have the small folk like give you hope. And he comes back to the tent and immediately he has three people waiting to take his cause up. Sir Robin Riesling, great wine. Sir Humphrey Harding <laughs> and Sir Humphrey Beesbury. So he has two humps, and he has a Riesling. Lionel Baratheon, the Laughing Storm, the least person you would expect, shows up next to take his cause. He's the best. He's the Laughing Storm. He's this big, haughty man, just burly and grinning. He immediately is like, I cannot thank you for coming or for Sir Stefan for bringing you. He immediately thinks it's Sir Stefan that did it. And Lionel says, Sir Stefan, it was your squire, Egon. Oh, it's, I'm sorry, it's the most precious, and... It is, but Aegon went out there trying to fight to get people to show up for him, like, that's... It's interesting that we, like, established the connection so far back between 
Dunk and Sir Lionel Baratheon because mm-hmm. as we know later on, way later on, who knows who who knows when, um yeah. Dunk will actually like face against Sir Lionel Baratheon when one of uh <laughs> one of Aegon's children's like, uh oh, I'm marrying for love and mm-hmm. not for politics, which has an amazing illustration. I don't even know what's going to happen. Okay. Oh, that illustration is so good. I'm going to have to literally pull it out just for this moment. Okay, you should, because it's so good. It's so good. They both look like Dark Souls characters. It's amazing. It, the armor is what kills me, like that stag yeah. antlered helm. That's just, that's, like, what we're missing out on. The biggest reason I want the Rebellion is for, like, the costuming. Yeah. Like, that's, I would kill for, I know we're not going to get a Rebellion spinoff ever, but I would kill for it just because the costuming alone and the turning at Harrenhal alone would be such a magical thing. You know what I mean? Like, just, like, magical to watch. Yeah, I was, like, pretty stoked one time when I was playing. Uh, So... He gets a laughing storm. He's like, dude, we have six people. If Stefan shows up and he brings one more person, we'll be good. <laughs> Damn, dude. We'll have seven. Ha yeah. <laughs> ha! And Stefan shows up and he pulls the dickest move, dude. He switches sides because he learned he might get a lordship from Maker. And what Raymond an asshole. is pissed. Such an asshole. Raymond is pissed, though. Raymond is like, fuck you, like, fuck you, fuck you. I am changing my sigil to a green goddamn apple. It's just, like, cool because we get to see the start of, like, a new house branch. Yeah. Dunk was, like, gonna knight him, but he didn't really have a fucking clue of what to do. Story of his life. And he had to go chat up with the Targaryens about this stupid fucking trial. So he's like, ah, and Sir Lionel's like, I'll knight him. Just go, dude. Just go. Sir Lionel knights Raymond. Raymond starts his green apple fossaways. I mean, we get that kind of insight. Like, from Stannis' chapters, we get the insight from the beginning, you know, from uh, just seeing Stannis' crew in Davos' chapters and such, like, and seeing the different fossaways and the lore we get about them. And this is this is where it started, right here. Yeah. You also have to acknowledge that Sir Raymond was fertile enough to start his own house. Yeah. As a young you. dude, like, brave enough, too. I mean... It was a very Gryffindor move. Yeah, but, it was a Gryffindor move. <laughs> but it, it was not a smart idea, for sure, too. I mean, like, I wouldn't, uh, I don't know if I'd felt very, like, kind just breaking from my family to create a new house, like, right then and there. Like, that's, like, a big move. And he did that for Dunk. Like, Dunk inspired that. Hashtag worth it. No, for sure. Yeah, no, it, I think in that moment, I guess, Raymond just realized, especially with Sir Stefan, He's like, my family doesn't embody anything that I think that they should do. And if they're supporting, like, this motherfucker, I'm going to start my own shit. Like, Well, imagine if Aegon had the freedom to do that. Hookers. Yeah, that's true. Like, I mean, that's a very good echo of, like, Aegon, like, running away from his family, shaving his head, ending up with Dunk, the robber knight, the hedge knight. And- do you think, what if, just throwing this out there, we're all like, yeah, Go Raymond, you go girl, you you got your shit together. What if that was part of the reason that Damon Targaryen broke off? Like we don't have as much information about the Blackfire Rebellion per se, in terms of like the uh personal characteristics and 
ideals that drove the rebellion. Like we know some of the smaller houses supported Damon because they were ambitious and hoping to get their own lands, etc. But like, what yeah. if Damon was like, yo, fuck you, dad, you sucked. And he saw that in his father and was like, I want to start my own kingdom. We're not going to know till we get the finer minute details from Fire and Blood, I don't think. Uh, but I think we're going to find out. I mean, he was hot-tempered. He was charming, but he was very hot-tempered, we're told, Damon. So, I mean, you don't know. We don't know. We won't know until yeah. we know. <laughs> yeah. Dunklick shows up in front of, uh, as to show up and goes that, like, he'll have six against seven and goes to show up against the Targaryens and say, well, I don't have seven. And Lord Ashford just says, no, man, if you can't find seven, you're effed. You're fucked, dude. You're no, fucked. Fuck you, Lord Ashford. Fuck you. You're fucked. You fuck. Yeah. Fuck you. Sorry, that's all I have to say. And guilty thought, Dunk. Guilty. Guilty of loosening a tooth, and for that he must die. Like how so fucked stupid. up is that? So he takes a moment. He asks for a moment. And he goes and he rides slowly along the fence, and the viewing stand is just like crowded with knights. And he gives this epic speech, right? He just gives this epic speech saying, like, you know, Sir Arlen took a wound in your lord's service to Dondarrion. And he's, like, talks to Lord Lannister and saying, Sir Arlen unhorsed you an attorney. And all these knights won't even meet his eyes. Like, Lord Swan is laughing. Lord Karen is making jokes. Otho Brackett is making jokes and shit. Like, they're all just, like... And then he just, like, yells. He just, like, shouts, Are there no true knights among you? And then Prince Arian decides to, like, fucking roleplay and go, the dragon is not mocked. And I'm like, oh like, my god, Like, what if we're third person? And by third person, I mean, like, I is he a furry? Is the dragon his first Sona? Yes. I mean, he, like, speaks of it the same way that Viserys does when he's like, you don't want to wake I'm the dragon. Dra- it's like a thing. It's a thing. In gallops. Baylor motherfucking Breakspear looking like the king we should have had from day one, dolled up in his son's black fucking beautiful armor on a black stallion, river mists behind him, like a red enamel crest on his helm with three roaring heads. And it's Hashtag Bay Baylor. Lore. Yeah. Bay Lore. He is the Bay that was promised. And he is so just. He is. Oh, and Maker's like, dude, what the fuck? And Baylor's like, this man protected the weak as every true knight is supposed to. Let the gods determine if he was right or wrong. And so they break apart. There's this big strategic planning moment. You know, Baylor's like, look, I'll take the King's Guard. They can't touch me. So we'll have tourney lances. Keep them at bay. I'll take yeah. the King's Guard. You guys deal with the rest. It's a smart strategy, to be honest. Oh, absolutely. It's very smart because they were going to be fucked otherwise, dude. Like, had they found someone else, they would have been fucked still. Like, that Kingsguard yeah. would have tore them to pieces. They're the Kingsguard. Yeah, it's a smart strategy. They can't, like, yeah, the idea that they can't touch Baylor. And Baylor himself, as we discussed earlier, is likely trained in combat. So Dunk, like, gets into his shield, and he gets his left arm through his straps, and he just thinks to himself, the oak and iron guard me well, or else I'm dead and doomed to hell. And Steely Pate brings his lance, and Egg insists that it must be him who puts the lance into Dunk's oh, hand. Like, so what a soft moment. Very fresh. Very fresh. Like, it's it just, is. Like, he's a true knight, and he's a true squire to that knight, and he put Dunk into this situation. He loves Dunk, and Dunk, like, gave him an escape and a freedom. And it's just really beautiful. What a beautiful, like, little moment. And then it begins. Well, 
no, now it ends. But <laughs> oh, okay. It it begins. Uh, Darren falls just like he said he would. He withdraws his accusation. He literally is just like I withdraw my accusation. He's just like on the ground, half dead. Okay, but like he should have fucking withdrawn his accusation. If he had withdrawn his accusation before, then like he just like wouldn't have like even been part of the seven, and like yeah, it wouldn't have even like, happened. Darian. Like try harder. Absolutely. Immediately, like, Dunk overpowers Arian and forces him to yield. Badly hurt. Like, Dunk's already been, like, stabbed through because of a lance, because Arian had driven his lance through. It's like a struggle. It's a huge struggle. And at the same time, both the Humphreys are injured and badly hurt. Beesbury and Harding. Two Kingsguard are knocked unconscious, not dead. And Dunk falls from his injuries. Finally. He falls from his injuries. He's, like, hurting. Arian has been overpowered and finally, like, yells, I yield. Like, it's just kind of, in a way, it's almost anticlimactic because you're just like, oh, that was easier than I thought. It's anticlimactic, but some of the language and the way it's portrayed kind of just reminds me of, like, some of, I don't know, like, Tyrion's clash chapters. Oh, yeah, like the Morningstar whirling. Yeah, and it's like, oh, I'm in a battle. But then it ends, like, and you're like, oh, that was anticlimactic. But, like... That is kind of how battles go sometimes. I yeah, suppose. the ling- yeah, the language is like, ooh, action. Abrupt. But like, yeah. Yeah. As Dunk, like, surveys all of these moments, you know, around him, he falls down from his injuries, and he sees Baylor standing over top of him. Uh, and his head, like, just gets crunched in, and he's just laying there like, holy shit, my body's dead, I'm dead, I can't believe somehow we're all surviving this. This is the worst hangover I'm ever gonna have, he says. Just kidding. Um, uh, it really is, though. Yeah, for sure. Baylor calls for his maester, for Dunk, and Dunk tells him that he's his man. He tells Baylor, I am your man. I'm your man. And Baylor, like, <laughs> is all like, that's so sweet. And then the prince collapses his head caved in from Maker's Mace and dies over top of Dunk. Gross. It's, yeah, the crunch. The the sickening crunch. Even if you had assumed that Baylor was like, yo, take care of me first with my brain. Like, no one knows how to do that. No, you can't fix that. Like, I'm sorry, there's no technology right now in A Song of Ice and Fire, whether then nor now, to fix your head getting caved in from a mace. Yeah. The worst is when Dunk's laying on the ground and he's just thinking, I've failed them. I'm no champion. I'm not even a hedge knight. I'm nothing. So you saved the whole house. He saves everything. You made it possible for them to live. All of them. All of them. Really. Man. Man, I'm real depressed right now. Thanks, Eliana. You're making me sad. Uh, Um, I don't think that's... I'm going to assert that's the alcohol, not me. It might be me. Whatever. It's about both. It's both. A little calm Um, A, a little calm B. Dunk like and it's so sad because it's like the very end moment which I do love this kind of like writing device where like everything's better than you expect like you think everyone's fine like wow like yeah Humphrey died but no one cares about Humphrey everyone else survived and then it's like oh except Prince Baylor yeah they make it seem and like when he's just like I need good men. Sir Duncan, the realm. His voice sounded oddly slurred. Perhaps he bit his tongue. Dunk was very tired. It was hard to stay awake. Your man, he murmured once more. Uh, And just, it's bad. It's so bad. It can't deal with it. 
you think everything's gonna be fine, and then his brain falls out. Oh, and like so fucked up. Maybe as some people assert, maybe it's about JFK. Okay, Jeff. Brendan B. Fish on the podcast. But maybe. It is. It yeah. is very sad, and it is something that George would do as an overarching comparison. I'm not uh I'm not gonna fault Brendan B. Fish, user Brendan. Yeah. And George, as we know, is very politically charged. Obviously, I mean, he's built this amazing world with yeah. fucking inbred dragon lords and everyone, like, just, like, existing in it. Um, I mean, he came of age during that time. So. Oh, man, it's just, like, afterwards, like, the regret that Maker exhibits is the remorse he shows about his brother's death. is so sad when he visits Dunk. It's just interesting to me that, like, Maker, I don't know. Makar like pushes the narrative he's like blames it on dunk and it's like no motherfucker blame it on your sons had you raised them better none of this shit would have happened but like and i'm sorry like you are the one that killed your brother like yeah which is one and he just like he gives him that whole lowdown like some men will say i meant to kill my brother the gods know it's a lie but i'll hear the whispers till the day i die and it was my mace that dealt the fatal blow. I have no doubt. Only other foes he faced in the melee were three Kingsguard, whose vows forbade them to do any more than defend themselves. So it was me. Strange to say, I do not recall the blow that broke his skull. Is that a mercy or a curse? Some of both, I think. Which is interesting to me because as far as brothers killing each other go, like, we're faced with what? Gregor and Sandor in uh, the current the current narrative we're faced it sandor and gregor wanting to murder each other we're faced with you know uh, just so much of like siblings and kin slaying of you know stan this especially to me reeks of like stannis and renly like yeah is that a mercy or a curse it's that and it's also just like it seems like a perversion on an innocent thing because like yeah my partner and like the people that I live with in this house, they're like brothers and they wrestle with one another, right? Like they wrestle with right. one another as like a, an innocent thing that brothers do. And they don't mean it. They don't mean it like in an antagonistic way. It's just something that they do to play with one another. You can see that Makar like feels a lot of guilt about it. Cause like, Obviously, he had to be serious about it because that was what the Trial of Seven called for from him. Well, and to, like, even put it to that, Maker versus Baylor, like, my sons are better than yours, and shitty, and my sons are good, and, like, you know, just the problem children, and, like, uh, Baylor should have been the king, everyone whispers. Like, fuck Maker, he's next, and fuck him. You know, like, it's this big rivalry yeah. that we're given and in the end it's a sad ending where makers like you know people whisper for years that every time a battle's lost or a crop fails the fools will say baylor wouldn't have let it happen but the nudge the hedge knight killed him you know just yeah. this big this is how maker wins against his brother and he doesn't love it you can see from like the rest of the story maker like admires Baylor, like who fucking doesn't? But like yeah. he's not even trying to compete against him because he's like the fourth son. He knows that he stands no chance. 
towards the Iron Throne. So he's like not even like really that much competing. He's just like, oh my god, I just wish my sons would like not fucking suck so that I wouldn't be embarrassing at like the family reunions. But yeah, just an awkward family reunion. He's just like weird, but like you know that that's not what he's going for. And then he's you can see the guilt that he feels and he knows he's going to be whispered about as like a kinslayer because like the problem is that the uh, parameters around like what constitutes as a kinslayer are super big. Oh yeah. Yeah. He obviously dealt blow that killed him, but like it was in a trial of seven. So by their gods and by what the Targaryen faith keeps, like his brother Baylor chose the wrong side against his family, quote unquote, like I'm making finger quotes, but in the end, obviously we know morally the right side was Dunk's side. Like that was the good side. That was the good. The bad side was the side that Maker chose. So like Maker kind of like pushed his narrative, like you were saying of like, this is the good side. This is my children that were affected by this. How could you stand against it? But Baylor stood for what was actually right. And like, I think it's most telling, especially when you get to the conversation between Dunk and Maker, and there's that big speech about, you know, who, uh, how can my foot be worth a prince's life? The old man, Sir Arlen, every day at Evenfall, he'd say, I wonder what the morrow will bring. He never knew, no more than we do. Well, mightn't it be that some morrow will come when I'll have need of that foot, when the realm will need that foot even more than a prince's life? And that's just, like, chilling. That's bone-chilling, because we know what happens. And that quote, like, the realm needed that foot more than a prince's life. <laughs> the realm, as you were talking about earlier regarding prophecy, the realm did have need of Sir Duncan's foot to save... Funny story! <laughs> yeah. It's a funny story, everyone. It's, Sir Duncan, uh... who's carrying people in and out of Summer Hall, like, as... Yeah. It's fucking exploding. It's like, just... As he saves that part of the realm and as he saves the realm in total by saving that line by making sure that that line was safe to create the prince that was promised it's just funny because like everyone to some extent still like is kind of like damn dude we're blaming you dunk for baylor taking your side yeah none of this needed to happen that's the bigger thing the only reason that this story happened was because the high lord's had to play their Game of Thrones and had to exert their power and show that they were still yeah. powerful. If no one, they had to show what yeah. happens when you mess with the dragon. If no one had done that, Baylor would still be alive and like Makar could like live his fucking life in peace and like everything would be chill and he could just like not have his insecurities. Even though he's like, oh, everyone's gonna say like I canceled my brother because like canceling has a super vague parameters because like I don't know. The gods said it was okay, so he chose wrong against our family, so it's fine. I mean... That's literally what are, he says, basically. Yeah. It's horrible. The like, parameters are vague. Like, everyone says that Bloodraven's a kinslayer for killing, like, his nephews. So, like, I don't know. I don't know where the fucking lies are drawn. I mean, but also, like, when you have 800 nephews. Yeah. Uh, so Maker goes on, and after, like, Dunk and him have the deep conversation about the foot being worth the prince's life, he... Basically tells Dunk he sent Arian to Lys or to Lys in hopes it will make him a not piece of shit. Spoiler alert, it doesn't. Um, Egg refuses to squire for anyone but Dunk. He wanted to send Egg off to squire for someone to like try to make him be a better kid, and Egg refused. He said, "Nope, if it's not Dunk, I'm not squiring." 
And so the prince offers him a knighthood and he offers him to serve at Summer Hall if he takes Aegon as a squire. But Dunk says that there's no way that he wants Egg to learn like he did on the road. And so the next day, Egg arrives at Dunk's camp and the two of them decide they want to visit Dorne and maybe see a puppeteer's show. It's the most beautiful thing. And yeah, it's definitely like a end of the day adventure. Like, wow, we're going on an adventure. It actually is like absolutely. We're going on an adventure like ending, even though we'd like never find out what they did in the Red Mountains, because like next thing we know, we're like, oh, we're here with Sir Eustace Osgrave, but like whatever. Fuck, fuck hey, I know what they did in the Red Mountains. You want to know what Dunk did in the Red tell Mountains? Me, tell me, tell me. He fucked, dude. So it's not what did Dunk do in the it's Red who. Mountains. Yes, thank you. Thank you for supporting Ooh. me. I got you. It's who did Dunk do in the Red Mountains. That was the story. I, I, and there's so that's like the beginning. And what a effing beginning that is. There's like a lot in this beginning. Like, and then like Maycar is like, ooh, no. I want him to be raised by like X kind of person. Everyone's like, uh, he's gonna get the best fucking education from Dunk on what it actually means to be a knight. Yeah, and... I mean, I don't think everybody said that though. No, no, everyone never prejudice that. against him. He also, also, uh, as a reminder, when we get to the end of um, the Hedge Knight, he talks about Chestnut. And thunder, and he doesn't talk about fucking Sweetfoot because he never goes back for Sweetfoot. But like, no, nobody. That's not neither here nor there. Um. Are you okay, Eliana? Is it the horse? Is it just like, are you really just like that deeply hurt by Sweetfoot? Or I am deeply hurt by Sweetfoot because he said he was gonna come back for Sweetfoot. Well, and, and if you look at like the symbolism of Sweetfoot's name, like. Like a horse of summer. I guess. And now he needs to have these uh, <sighs> these other horses that are more accustomed for the other seasons. Like Chestnut. Like Chestnut's roasting on open fire in the winter slash during uh, Christmas time that doesn't exist in Westeros. And Thunder. Like the storms that occur a in the springtime. And Fall. I'm really just making shit up right now. No, this is good. This is top tier analysis Thank of the you. horses in uh, Dunkin' Egg. What a drunken egg. This is good. This is good stuff. <laughs> no, this was, oh gosh, we are. We we got to the end of this. I, uh, oh heck, Eliana, you have been such a fun companion through this whole story. I'm glad that we took 18,322 hours to go over Dunkin' Egg together today. <laughs> Maybe most um, of it is like spent on creating a Coachella AU, but like whatevs. I would say the Coachella AU probably took up about twenty three percent of our story. First off, so let's not get greedy. It wasn't that bad. Uh, <laughs> I would say that's tops. That's tops. Yolo, as the kids are yolo, yolo. Mm. Like oh oh yeah yeah. Like Hugh Gore Hill, yolo. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yep. 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 <laughs> Eliana, thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, we're going to continue getting drunk off the air, but thanks for listening. Uh, you've been listening to Drunk A Song of Ice and Fire History, Drunken Egg, The Hedge Knight. Uh, we did it. Woo. Hashtag, we did it. <laughs>
<laughs> Thank you for tuning in, you guys. Uh, please be sure to follow on Twitter at DrunkAswaf. Drunk, A-S-O-I-A-F. Uh, be sure to follow on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. Hit the like button below. If you want to follow me, I'm Chloe. I'm at Wise and Arbor on Twitter. Um, and at Drunk Aceoff, like I said, Eliana will have her credentials below. Thank you for listening. This has been the Hedge Night, guys. <laughs>